A huge congratulations to Whalen Bay. They are the number one dealer in sales in the nation for Mako and Tahoe boats. How cool is that? Hey folks, Captain Kevin Favor here for Whalen Bay Marine, and I've been telling you for years how much I love the Mako Pro Skiff Series. They're an absolute inshore fishing machine. But don't forget, they also carry tracker boats, nitro performance fishing boats, sun tracker pontoon boats, and Tahoe boats. Now you want some bigger news? Whalen Bay is now the dealer for Ranger boats. The new Ranger Saltwater Bay boats look amazing. Also, Ranger Aluminum Series and Ranger pontoons, which are perfect for fishing and just relaxing. So now, no matter what your boating needs are, Whalen Bay has you covered. And I can promise you that when you buy your new boat, all the folks at Whalen Bay will make sure your boat is rigged correctly and in a timely manner. You can do all this at Whalen Bay in St. Augustine located at 845 State Road 207 or give them a call at 217-3778 or visit WhalenBayMarine.com. Whalen Bay Marine, your authorized dealer for tracker boats, Nitro, Sun Tracker, Tahoe, Mako, and now your full line of Ranger boats. And remember, every day is a boat show at Whalen Bay Marine. Good morning and welcome to the Nimbic Chevrolet Outdoor Show. I'm Captain Kevin Favors, sitting in with Jeff Flogham and Captain Kirk Waltz. We're all here. We're all here and a special guest. On a beautiful guest. Saturday morning. Oh, yes. oh yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah, beautiful. Uh, yeah, when you said good morning, I was like, that's questionable. Yeah, no, you're right. It, it's, um, it's ugly. Well, it's, it's, uh, it's going to get better. I'm just glad today was not last weekend for, for the El Chipo, Whew. right? Oh, yeah. Man. That would have been, been horrible. But you know what? You might as well went ahead and just throw rain on the party after yeah, the worm hatch. Yeah, yeah, you're right. There's there's no doubt. It was so <clears throat> interesting last weekend because, you know, Scotty and I have been doing the outdoor show from consignment boat sales for years. At Mayport. At, at Mayport during mm-hmm. the El Cheapo. And, and we're always, during the tournament, during those three hours, we're getting texts and Updates, pictures, updates, crickets. Yeah. There was nothing. Crickets, nothing, no, nothing. Really working, guys. I mean, it, it, you know, I, we didn't even hardly have any phone calls. I now, mean, now let me ask you this, because on <clears throat> to give people a little bit of a timeline, which will lead to our introduction of our guests that we have in studio for the entire show. Uh-huh. On Friday, you know, I've got my team. Yeah, you know, and my team was back together. The band's back together. It's me, Fred Miles, uh, Dave Edwards, uh, and uh, Mike, Mike Hayes. Hayes of Thickpen Heating and Cooling, and we're all ready to go. Everybody's got a job, mm-hmm. and Dave's we're fishing Dave's boat. So Dave's got his boat, you know, and he's down there checking it out and checking out some areas. Because anyway, he goes uh, down to the to the water area where uh, kind of where he uh, has his boat at, and he sends me a little video of these worms, and I went. Oh, no. Because uh-huh. after years of hearing you guys talk about this worm hatch, mm-hmm. my first reply to the text, we had a group text. With and this me, was on Friday. This was on Friday. Right. Uh-uh. Which is me, Dave, Fred, and Mike. Yeah. And my first reply to the video was, oh, no, I hope they're not full tomorrow. And uh, get there on Saturday morning. It's dark. You know, the lights are on the dock as we're launching the boat. <laughs> 
and you can see worms in the water. And I went, oh, God, <laughs> this is not good. And I'm like, well, maybe she said don't eat worms. Mm-hmm. Um, and then it just sucked. We didn't, <laughs> we, we didn't have a bite for the longest time. Not and, a bite. And, but yes. Yeah. I mean, and maybe a bait moved one time. Mm-hmm. But it was so crazy. And, and I'm here to tell you now, we got four guys on our boat. And we're in a good spot, okay? Good spot where there's been fish caught recently. And everybody can fish. Everybody can fish. Yeah, we yeah, got all the, the good thing. bait. I mean, if, if, look, if they didn't want clams, we got oysters. They didn't want oysters, we got shrimp. They didn't want shrimp, we got fiddler crab. They didn't want fiddler crabs, we got blue crabs. <laughs> we fished everything. Except worms. Ca- except worms, except that's worms. right. And by the way, that voice is <laughs> Dr. Quentin White, because yeah. the first thing I thought of, we got to go talk to Quentin and find yes. out what the hell's going on. <laughs> Uh, Worm match. Good morning, Quint. Morning, Josh. Good morning, How you Doc. Doing? You know the thing I learned, Doc, that I didn't realize those worms hatch offshore too. Oh yeah, I did not know that. Oh yeah, I thought it was an inshore phenomena. Totally. Oh, no. And I, I was mean, shocked it, it, to it, see them. They're, yeah. they're poly. They're, the worms are called polychaetes. I mean, these are not exactly. Wait, 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 say that again. Poly what? Polychaetes. A little bit closer to the mic. There you yeah, go. Poly, polychaetes. Um, you go. Poly Spe- meaning many. Yeah, I got that part. Spell the other part. C H A E T E polychaet. Okay. Means hairs or, or feet. Okay. So these are when you look at a bloodworm, um, mm-hmm. or a clamworm, I guess is probably a better term. Okay. Um your your typical bloodworm is actually what we call an oligochaete, meaning few hairs. They're just a, a tubular worm. And they're all part of a group called the annelids. I'm sort of going back to your fifth grade general biology class now at this point in time. Yeah, which I totally, uh, I, totally I, don't I remember. Slept through that, I, got I, <laughs> I got a big fat D in that class. Yeah. <laughs> Spell it you know, again. They're, what? They're, they're the worms, and so you know you got where, where do these worms live? They live in the in the bottom. Okay, so, so whether it's sandy, the... whether it's mud, they all live in the bottom. They live in the bottom. They're, they don't. They don't live in clams or anything like that. They, See, they I thought live they in the lived bottom. in the barnacles, in the oysters on no, the rocks. They live, they live uh, among the barnacles and among right. the oysters. Okay, okay. And they're they're crawling around in there, and depending on the species, I mean, I mean, there are literally thousands of species here in Northeast Florida of polychaete worms, uh, and so uh, I'm not really sure exactly which one came out. It was red one. with yeah. a little white head. Yeah. Well. What you're seeing actually is the reproductive portion of the worm. And okay, so what we're seeing is not actually a worm. Well, yeah, it's actually a worm. Okay, you got to remember these are these are what we call segmented worms, and you may remember from literally high school biology, you did the earthworm dissection and mm-hmm. you, you saw the sections of the worm, and if you dissect a polychaete, it's similar. The head, the anterior region of that worm, has more I'm going to say body parts. The rest of the worm is mostly just gonads and a gut. There's not a whole lot to it. And what they do, and, and these are both male and female, and depending on the species, they may be um, either or, or in some cases they can be both. Um, and what happens is they develop a sack of eggs or sperm, a little gonad, and that's what breaks off and swims to the surface. And if, if you can watch them very long, you begin to realize that they they come to the surface and they literally come apart, and then you really don't see them. If you took a microscope to them, now you'd find eggs and sperm, and they're fertilizing each other, and then the little larvae is going to swim back down. And, and they they literally live to do this like a day. Well, it depends, and you don't depending on the species. Uh-huh. And 
and when they're going to hatch. Um, it was probably a species, and the water has been going really crazy recently, uh, temperature-wise. Yes, it has. Yeah, it has. Yes, and it so has. You don't know whether it's a daylight cycle that triggered it or a temperature cycle that triggered mm-hmm. it. Um, typically, it's as the water begins to warm up and the days begin to get longer, that triggers this phenomenon. Mm-hmm. Uh, in some cultures, they will actually scoop these things up and make a um, oh, no, not like a, a batter kind of thing for them and, and, and eat them. And, um, okay. I, I've never tried them, but I'll take a pass okay, well, on that. <laughs> well, you know, I we, eat, we eat I just, sweet clams. Chips, you, uh-huh. I just dip. sent a picture of this, uh, a, a close-up of the worm that mm-hmm. we saw uh, where we were at, and uh, I sent it to you, Quentin. I sent it to Kirk, Kevin, Chris, and Chris. If you don't mind, would you post this to Facebook, uh, and uh, so that people can see what we're talking about? And the whole reason why this conversation about this worm thing came about is because because you've never had to deal with it before. Well, <laughs> I've heard about it. Yeah, I know. Okay? But yep. here, here it is, tournament day for yeah. the El Cheapo, yep. and a worm hatch happens literally from Fernandina to where we were, yep. okay, all the way through Mayport and St. Augustine, yep. and Kirk, it's offshore. Mm-hmm. How many miles ballpark are you off? Three, four, five? We were out five miles. Okay, five miles. So everywhere is worms, and here's the crazy part. Talking to everybody. I'm not I'm not saying just a couple guys. I'm not talking just Kirk or Gordon, mm-hmm. the guys that are fishing the tournament. Mm-hmm. I'm talking multiple people that fish the tournament, multiple people that talk to multiple people that talk to multiple people that might have been just fishing over the weekend. Mm-hmm. Leon Dana. Did you see that text? A, a double yeah. on Sunday. Yeah. Doesn't catch a fish. Nothing. Okay? I mean, literally the fishery was shut down <laughs> over the entire weekend. Yeah. We and, caught we caught one sheep's head that might have been about brim size on Saturday. Mm-hmm. And Everybody else was kind of experiencing the same thing. The El Cheapo tournament had two fish that were in double digits. Two fish. Yeah, with 261 boats. Yes. So what's that, 400 and some odd anglers? At least. I'd say or more. Might have been 500 and something. This is some kind of sabotage that's going on here. Because you had ladies division, you had kayak division. Yeah. I mean, it, it, it was incredible. And, I mean, I talked to a lot of people that, man, they had a spot. I'm talking about they had a spot where they've been catching some really nice ones. And then all of a sudden it gets to tournament day, and all of a sudden they see worms, and they're not catching anything. Mm-hmm. And I was like, unbelievable. And, and, and so, Quentin, my question is, does everything eat these worms that swims in the water to where it can literally shut it down, and that's the only thing that they would or want to eat? Well, this goes back to your old fly fishing adage, or mm-hmm. you, you match the catch. Yeah, match the uh, hatch. Match the hatch. Yeah, match the um, hatch. And so, the short answer is yes. Um, most fish and a lot of other things eat them. Uh, in fact, they even, the, the larvae that come out get filtered by clams and oysters and other filter feeders, too. Mm. And a lot of fish will eat them. So, I mean, when these things happen, this is all part of the food chain. And so, everybody's gorging. And part of why they these worms produce so many is that they literally have to produce billions and billions of these larval offspring in order to get a few hundred to survive. Because, mm-hmm. because everything's eating them. Yeah. yeah, everything's eating them. And they're all part of the food chain. <laughs> I, I, I remember um, this was this four or five years ago and launched the boat, saw the hatch. I'm like, oh, God. Told my guys, look, it's going to be this is, it's just going to be a tough day. 
you know. And I went around to a place what we called Goldstein Point, which is 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 that big sandbar, basically right there by the fort. Yeah. And it had a high incoming tide, yeah. and the water was beautiful. And it, these these worms were coming across that sand, and there were literally hundreds of redfish eating on the surface mm-hmm. like catfish. No you know, just, way. just 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 sucking them down. It's, wow. it's hard, and you couldn't get one to bite. For nothing, but but the, the guys were like, dude, we've never seen anything like yeah, this. You know, that's so, a show. I mean, they were they were good with it, and at least what I told them, they they could see was true. Yeah. But that's and, and if you do happen to catch one, Jeff, literally full of them, they're coming out of his mouth, his anal. <laughs> I mean, it, really, and they they, yeah. they look like a football. I mean, they're so gorged, it, completely gorged, gorged on yeah, worms. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I'll never but, forget when Minyard opened one up down at Mike's place one day. Yeah. And he said, Kurt, Mike's place, out. by the way, for those, is, is north of the uh, St. Augustine downtown area. Yeah, right. <laughs> Volano Bridge. Yeah. North of Volano you know, Bridge. It's the old, uh, the Kate's restaurants there, yeah. this, uh, Aunt Kate's. And he opened one up, and he says, Kurt, check this out. And he opened it, and it was just a ball mass of worms. Yeah. I'm like, oh, my God, is it infected? And he goes, no. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> aliens <laughs> are eating this fish from the inside out. Yeah. And he goes, no, those are, we call them center worms. Right. And I was like, holy smoke. And you're right. They wouldn't eat anything. And oh. I, and so you I'm, know what that proves. What's that? The next sheephead tournament, we have to add a bait to that. Worms. Earthworms. <laughs> yeah, little worms. And and here and it's not just the smaller fish that we're talking about. I mean, it's two, everything. 200-pound tarpon. Oh, tarpon, tarpon love them. Oh, they love them. Eat worms. And, and from what I understand... Yeah. Um, the hatchery in, in the Keys? In the Keys, yeah. they actually fly fishermen, Quentin... Can't wait for this worm hatch because they have these flies that are tied to look exactly like these exactly, little exactly. worms. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So if we if we have another El Cheapo tournament, break out your fly rod. Yeah. I don't ma- know. Match the hatch of the worms. It was a to tough a day sheep's head. And we worked. I mean, we chummed and scraped. Everything. And did everything you could do. I'm, I'm like, what in the what, you know? Now, now, I didn't have the whole team, you know, so I was – you know, a little handicap. I had, you know, I was kind of. Yeah, but well, not that handicap. Yeah, I was, uh, you know. I yeah. mean, we had, we had. Uh, Mike Wren's a great fisherman, and so is Willie Alexander. I mean, yeah, we had full, we had a full team, and then uh, there was a another boat. Uh, you remember uh, this guy Josh that fished with us last year that took the place of Mike Hayes. Mm-hmm. Well, he he was fishing up there where we were at, and Josh was fishing with another gentleman, and so I mean, and and, and trust me, Josh and his wife both were fishing with uh, up there. And they're oh, excellent fishermen. They had one fish, and we had one fish. I mean, yeah. that that's it. Yeah. And I was going, holy cow. And when we walked down to the dock and in the light, we saw those things, and, and they're moving a little bit. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah they're swimming around. Yeah, I mean, they're kind of like these little erratic. movie yeah. things, and I'm like. They're warming. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, it's, it's weird. And how many times a year – does this happen? This worm hatch, Quentin? Um, it can happen frequently, and it's we can be different species too. And typically, what happens is an individual species will actually do this two or three times, and it again, it variation in species, because what will happen is there'll be a smaller one early, and then sometimes a little bit bigger one, and then a really massive one, and then another little one and then a smaller one and you set this sort of a curve if you would and what's happening is the the worms if you that collectively 
are doing this to try to maximize the chance that some of them will provide additional offspring to go to the next. And then the crazy part is it ain't like they're thinking this. I mean, it's just a, it's an evolution. Sure. Yeah. yeah, Right. It's happened. And and like I said, it's got, you've got literally dozens of species doing this out there. Mm -hmm. And, um, it's sort of fun. You, a lot of times, I've noticed it more at night than I have at daytime. You know, if you're around a dock at a night and you got the lights, you'll see them. It's like bugs. And you'll see the fish coming up and getting them there. They'll get right, right up in the water column like well, they don't even see the humans. Let's but, take a break. Okay, uh, folks, uh, here on the Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show, we have Dr. Quentin White, who is the exe- executive director of Jacksonville University's Marine Science Research Institute, in here to talk with us about worms and all the other crazy things that can happen in our water in and around our water right here in uh, beautiful jacksonville and folks if you'd like to join in and ask uh, dr white a question 904-641-1010 welcome back to the nimnik chevrolet outdoor show and uh folks uh, if you need a tire there's only one place to go well there's more than one place because they have a lot of locations but there's one business and that's tire outlet it's got locations all around jacksonville it doesn't matter whether it's a golf cart suv atv uh trailer uh car truck suv doesn't matter tire outlet has a tire for every application under the sun and i can i can bet you that if you even have like a little yard cart that you push around that has a tire they could find a tire for that sure yeah all right, welcome back to the Nimnik Chevrolet Outdoor Show. Dr. Quentin White, Executive Director of Jacksonville University's Marine Science Research Institute, in studio to talk everything fished and things that swim and things that just wiggle, like worms, mm-hmm. which we had a worm hatch this past weekend, <laughs> which uh, impacted our fishery, I think, in a big way. Congratulations to Kirk. By the way, pull up, pull up the winners from the El Cheapo, if you don't mind, while uh, we go to the phone lines and bring up Mr. Ron. He's got a... Jack's Beach uh, Pier question. Good morning, Mr. Ron. Hey, good morning. Uh, my question is not necessarily for the doctor, but uh, I go, you know, on the party boat every now and then, deep sea fishing. And uh, every time I look at hear the weather, I see the pier out there, and I see these cranes on the pier. What's going on with the pier? When are they going to open that up? I'd really like to know. Uh, that's a I'll good question. question you know, it took a long time for them to build the pyramids. So, <laughs> just so you know, it took him a few years to build a pyramid. That's what he's saying. Uh, I don't know. Everybody asks me that all the time, and I go down there. We we fish around the pier right now, and it, you look up there, and you go, they're still building it. Yep. Two years later, we're still building the pier. It's really been I, under I have construction no idea. for two years? But I do know uh, uh, Spencer posted something up the other day who fishes down there, Brogdon, and he said that they were they were laying the last piling. So. I okay. guess they're almost done. Okay. You know, right. Maybe maybe for summer. Maybe by summer, you know. Yeah. All right. Thank you. Yes, All right. Thank you, Ron. Thanks, Ron, yes, sir. So, so uh, I, I hope, okay, that uh, we don't have any hurricanes this year to wipe out the Jack's Beach Pier and, you know, start to back over like again and everything oh, else. You know? Let's not talk about that and, word. And, 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 Knocking and, on wood and, there. And, uh, I know you live just north of there, mm-hmm. of the old Comptons, the Reef, mm-hmm. all right, and – when Which they, Compton's Reef dredged last year? They built this amazing uh, um, wall. Okay, hold on, hold on a minute. I just, I just yeah. want to, I want to refresh everybody what Kevin's referring to. 
<clears throat> there was a beach renourishment program in, in Dredging, that happened yeah, yeah. down towards St. Augustine, and it, essentially it was from uh, Porpoise Point, which is the north side of, of St. Mm-hmm. Augustine's Inlet, and then it came all the way up to essentially what used to be what we called the gate station, but it's a qu- across from the entrance of Guantanamo or the Guana. <laughs> Uh, Guantanamo. Guantanamo. Say Guantanamo Bay. Jeez. Come on, easy now. That Guana, that coffee. Yeah. Give me that coffee. That's a Gu- big Guana, beach nourishment. Yeah. yeah. Guana State Park. Yes. Yes. And uh, and so what you're and and, I, and Kevin, I just real quick, I was driving. I, I went to St. Augustine the other day because Taylor had spring break, and we went down to St. Augustine and spent the day and did the uh, the, the St. George Street and did all that kind of stuff. And as I was driving, but uh, back up, I started paying a little bit more attention because I remember when they did that program. Mm-hmm. And then they put in a lot of seagrass That's and what stuff. I was talk. Yep. Yep. And the, a lot of the houses were on the verge of follow, falling into the ocean. Mm-hmm. And there's one house in particular that I was driving back. I mean, it, right now it's falling in. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, and, and it, this was where the, the area they had put the sand back up there. Yep. And now it's all gone. Yeah. That, that was, <laughs> that's what I was going to say. And, and I, I, again, we don't have to have a hurricane. You know, what happened, Kirk, was those crazy spring tides that we had in yeah. November. You remember? They were giant. When, when, when it literally came over A1A yep. at, 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 at the ramp, I mean, you, you couldn't get into the parking lot in, in St. Augustine. And so I hadn't uh, been down to the ocean much, you know, since all of that happened. And uh, went, went down there a, a, a week ago or so, and I was like, holy cow, it's gone. I mean, all that work, all that money. I mean, it, and, it, and it wasn't that. a hurricane. Yeah, all right, so, so, and it. this was one of the other topics I wanted to get to uh, with you, Quentin, because of you know the worm hatch. Uh, there's uh, currently a, uh, a beach renourishment program going on uh, just north of Guana. There was the one that happened down towards St. Augustine Volano Beach. I also want to talk to you at some point about about shrimping and its impact. But this beach renourishment program, how how aware are you of of that program and uh, and your thoughts? Well, uh, I'm very aware. I've followed beach renourishment here. Actually, my PhD, actually, believe it or not, was actually working on a little crab called the mole crab uh, and their migration up and down the the beach shore. And so, when I first got to Jacksonville, they were renourishing Jacksonville Beach at that time, and so we put a, a huge amount of money into maintaining our beaches because mm-hmm. they're eroding away. Um, geologically, the whole thing is going west. Mm-hmm. And we build along the dune line, and then nature comes in and says, hold on, I'm mm-hmm. coming. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. And so we try and we try and we try, and eventually we're going to – we're going to say, nope, we can't do that. Right. Which is what's happened up in North Carolina along the Outer Banks. Oh, it's been uh, going on there for years. Well, they finally just gave up along the national shoreline there and just said, we're not going to quit. We're going to stop renourishing. You're just, you're just throwing money, money after money there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And Porpoise Point there in St. Augustine is notorious for erosion because <laughs> the water is mm-hmm. washing through there. And our water is running higher than normal right now uh, and has been since Irma. Um, tides are higher. We're seeing higher spring, what we call spring tides, which has nothing to do with the spring of the year. That has to do when the, the moon mm-hmm. is full or the moon is new. You get your highest high mm-hmm. tides. Right. And, and you guys know this, and most fishermen know it. Um, and so we're seeing higher than high tides. And you get a storm like this coming in like we're having right now, 
And it's just moving sand because that's what sand does. Um, it's dependent on the velocity of the water. The faster the water moves, the more sand and the larger sand that can be moved. Um, if you think about how our beaches are, we, we typically call our beaches a, what we call a moderate energy environment. And if you go down further south of St. Augustine um, around Washington Oaks and you've got the Coquina Rock, that becomes a rocky intertidal area. And in some cases, you're finding a little bit more energy down there. And what happens when all the fine stuff gets washed away, you get left the rocky material. Um, come a little bit north, it's a little bit more moderate energy, and you'll find mostly just sand there. Mm-hmm. And that sand then is moved by the storms. <clears throat> so you've got a big storm in, that sand is primarily moving south. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's sort of hard to imagine if you think about it, but most of our sand probably originated in the Appalachian Mountains literally millions of years ago. And as the mountains eroded, that sand moved moved south. The entire peninsula of Florida is nothing more than sand that has moved down the east coast and been deposited. And you sort of look how the keys go around and head west. Well, that's because that's what they call a recurve spit. I mean, this is a, it's a classic. You look at the big system, and you see it when you look at little barrier islands up and mm-hmm. down the coast. Yeah. That's the same phenomenon. They all have the same kind of shape to it. Yeah. 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 And uh, you'll find I know, that. I, know, I, could, I never would have imagined the state of Florida was like, well, the sand washed off of the mountains of the Appalachians to create the state of Florida. <laughs> and the kids are like, wait a minute. Yeah. That well, like so think about picture, it. I can't even go that far. You know, we go down to Fargo on the Suwannee River, and we find, we find shark's teeth on yep. the roads down there. Oh, sure. I mean, and have for years. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Think about that. That's, that's crazy. It yep. got there somehow. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. Right. Well, I mean, you know, we, you, Jackson was nothing more than a whole bunch of sand ridges. You start looking at, you take a giant map and look at it from above and look at the topography, and you begin to realize you've got these sort of curved ridges. You know, you drive along some of our roads. You come along University Boulevard. You go through these three, there, there are actually three ridges through there. It's all part of what they call the Silver Bluff Terrace, which is part of when sea level was higher yep. um, a few thousand years ago. and we, you go back about 10,000 years ago during the last ice age, it was lower. Well, the tide has gone up and down. Water's gone up and down for millennia, and it's not going to stop. Mm-hmm. We're just simply looking at it at a very quick snapshot. And we come in and think, oh, well, it hasn't changed in a year. Well, <laughs> yeah, it's a uh, year. Yeah, it's only a year. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. That seems yeah. like a long time to some people, but in reality, it's not very it's long. Right, exactly. All right, well, let's take a break. Uh, boy, we got a lot to talk about here. Yeah, I know. So, uh, Dr. Quentin White, Executive Director of Jacksonville University Marine Science Research Institute, Jeff Logman, Captain Kirk Waltz, Captain Kevin Favor, Chris bringing it to you right here on the Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show on 1010XL. Welcome back to the Nimic Chevrolet Outdoor Show. We have Dr. Quentin White, the Executive Director of Jacksonville University's Marine Science Research Institute, in studio joining us, talking worms, beach nourishment. We're going to talk a little shrimping. Uh, but uh, in the meantime, hey, just want to let everybody know at Hagen Coastal Outfitters, they just got a huge shipment in of the Sportsman's 106 and the 120 PDLs. And also the 132 PDLs, these are these uh, pedal kayaks that are incredible. And they just got a whole shipment. And even the, the Salty 120, which is the one that uh, my wife has, and they're awesome. Uh, total fish machines. Uh, so go to four different locations. Go to HagenCoastalOutfitters.com to learn more. 
because I can tell you this, they will not last long. So do not waste any time. And uh, they do have the try before you buy it, but I would try it pretty quick because they're not going to last long. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Don has a wildlife migration question, and let's go talk to him. Good morning, Don. Good morning, guys. Hey, listen, I wanted to talk about uh, or get some answers to questions about bird migration and fish migration. Let's uh, start with the uh, birds. Uh, It seems like in my lifetime, we've developed a, I guess I'll call it a a resident population of Canadian geese in Jacksonville. Mm -hmm. But I don't think I... (laughs) And and so I, I guess my question is, Obviously, those birds or that species migrates north to south and south to north, but we have some that stay. Do we know why that happens? Yes. Wouldn't you stay? <laughs> Coronavirus. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's a great question. And, uh, uh, Quentin, when, uh, when I was living up in New York, there was, uh, we had resident population of geese even up there. Right. Which, uh, of course, golf courses are one of their favorite habitats, and so they would essentially just hang around a golf course. Seemed like all winter. Why, why, I mean, did they have have they always been that way? Where some migrated, some didn't. Pretty much, yes. Um, what happens is the, the geese have to teach their young to migrate. It's not they don't know it intu- in, intuitively. It's not instinctive, and so we have a tendency to think, oh yeah, they know to migrate. Well, it turns out they don't, and so once you have a population of geese that stay for a year mm-hmm. the young don't know to migrate wow this is home i don't know to move and there's food here i hate to say it there's sex you know you, you know it is. <laughs> you've heard me say before i mean home animals, depot. animals, yeah. animals yeah. move on two things yes yeah, right food and sex mm-hmm. amen brother <laughs> <laughs> i don't know how many times i've used that line food sex food, work. sex food sex work, well god's but... my life food sex food sex food sex <laughs> fishing and hunting uh, yeah. So, 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 Don, we answered the 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 goose question. What, what was the fish question? Well, the fish question may uh, apply to the charter captains as well as the biologists, and that is uh, like clockwork. Uh, usually, in around December or January, uh, I can expect to go uh, down to the upper headwaters of the St. Johns River and find American shad that have migrated there from the ocean. Why don't we see them? or hear of catches of them in the St. John's River here as they're passing by because they can't get to the upper St. John's unless they come by here? That's a great question. Well, I I think I can answer that. All right, go ahead. I think that what we see at at certain times, because Mm -hmm. uh, American Shad looks so similar to a pogey. I mean, it's Mm. unless you were a scientist like Dr. White, you might not recognize the difference if you're just a good old boy and you're throwing a cast net at them. And I think what happens is they do migrate into the river, and I think that we see them because I talk to some of the crabbers up the river, Raymond King being one of them, and a lot of those guys use those American shad as crab bait. Sure, mm-hmm. right. And they'll buy big old boxes full of them. And when you look at them, it looks like a giant pogey. And I think occasionally we do in the ocean when we're catching bait. Kevin, you might concur with this. Mm-hmm. We'll call them flip-flop pogies. Mm-hmm. We'll go, gall, look at these. They're giant. I think they're really not pogies. I think they're American shad. They just look like them. And they, they slip by us. They go up the river and they keep going. And that's what you're seeing way up St. John's. So I am correct in that there's no way to get to the upper St. John's without coming by here, right? Correct. Yeah. And they just probably, for whatever reason, are not feeding. If they were doing cast netting or gill netting, we might catch them. 
Yeah, we don't do as much of that as we used to. So they're here. They so come. In, they're coming through the area, and I've seen schools of them moving up and down the river. So is it just likely that they're potentially not feeding as they blow by here? Because when you when you get down to uh, uh, way down south where where you can catch them, you can see them boiling on the surface because it looks like they're eating. And of course, obviously, if we're catching them on lures, they're eating there. But it's, I don't even hear about bycatches up here other than what Kirk's talking about in nets. I don't even hear about fishermen up here catching them incidentally. Um, well, I, I do. I guess that we... On, on a rod and reel? No, no. Yeah. More, more... No, no. Netting. Cast netting. Cast nets. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's been a few times where I've thrown a shrimp net where I got in a thing that kind of looks like a pogey, and I go, that looks like a pogey, but that's not a pogey. Yeah. Yeah. And it hasn't been, it hasn't been often, but it's yeah. been a few times, and it's kind of a little bit more slimier and more duller colors. I, I, maybe well, that's no, it. No, Kevin, I think a lot of times those, those baits that y'all are catching in Salt Run could be yeah. at times, because you, you and I have talked about this over yeah, the years. absolutely. They look different. Yep. And, you know, we'll yeah, get out there, different. you know, they ain't a secret spot anymore, Bunny's Web, but yep. we'll get out there and meet and you'll go, hey, I'm going to give you some baits. Yep. But I call it Salt Run and I look at them and I go, God, they're huge. Yeah, and they don't swim worth a flip. Well, and they don't handle the heavy salinity after they get up the river. Right. Don, right. When, when, you're, when you're fishing for them, what, what kind of bait are you using? Well, I, I have a fly rod, but I'm not good with it. So uh, typically I'm throwing a very, you know, an ultralight spinning rod and very tiny little spoons, or there's a, something called a shad dart, mm-hmm. which is kind of a, um, kind of a, uh, sounds like a banjo jig. minnow. Uh, <laughs> actually, it's just a jig head with some very straight, uh, not very flexible filaments coming off the back end of it. And they're usually the head and the tail are the same color. So you got pink and chartreuse and, white little mylar right uh well it's not mylar it's like imagine like 40 or 50 pound monofilament that's colored the same way as the jig head so i mean like i said it's it's almost like the um what's the jig that we throw off the bait that i mean off the beach that's uh like a chrome tube with a lead head no uh, no no no. i'm not talking about the weight i'm talking about a jig that um Oh crap! Anyway, anyway. Uh, so yeah, that's what we're using down there. Hey, I got like one gotcha more little plug. Side. You're talking about a gotcha? No, no, no. Uh, oh yeah, gotcha. Yeah, that's gotcha, that's the gotcha plug, plug I'm talking about. So Still. it's kind of like that. It's very rigid looking, although the filaments are flexible. But it's usually only about eh, two inches long, two and a half long. Because mm-hmm. these fish are not huge. You know, if you catch a three or four pounder, you've got a monster. So. Um, Anyhow, I had one more migration, fish migration question. All right, wrap, wrap it up. April 1st uh, is usually when I can catch really big bluefish in and around St. Augustine. When I say really big, I'm talking about three-footers. But they are emaciated. They are not filled out. They're really, I mean, looking like they're, they're I mean, terrible. They're yeah, they're, yeah they're, they're horrible looking. Uh, so are they, how far south, Dr. White, do you think those bluefish actually go before they start heading back north? Well, they have a, an annual migration up and down the coast, and there are smaller ones down here, and they get much bigger as you go north. Uh, and well, I, these I, are, and I'm not positive on the timing, to be honest. The, it, it, literally, these are like 15 to 18 pounders. Right. They're, 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 they're giant. But they're thin. 
but they're but they're thin and 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 literally they beat themselves up in the rocks. Right. I mean, it's it, yeah, the it's bigger got, the bluefish, the more elongated they get, which is kind of weird. That's true. Yeah, when they're younger, they're kind of a little bit more rotund, like a football, and yep. then as they get longer, they they kind of right. get almost like a dolphin. Yeah, you know, or mahi mahi. Yeah, kind of. Yep. Yep. But it's 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 very cyclical. Right. You know, it's not something that happens every year. Don, I mean, like last year, I didn't catch one. Nobody caught yeah, no, a fish for, last year. Actually, for two years, I haven't yeah, caught the two, big ones, so okay, I, but two I years, keep looking for them. Two, two years, I haven't caught one either. And yeah. that's the crazy thing. And, Don, thank you Thanks, for, for calling in great questions. And, and Quentin, uh, we talk about these migrations sometimes, like bluefish or cobia. Sure. Um, uh, in the St. John's River, croaker, okay, they yeah. come in and out. Uh, the yellowmouth trout, they come in and out. Spanish mackerel. Spanish mackerel. Mm-hmm. I mean, all yep. these fish that kind of have a seasonal, I guess, appearance to our areas, but sometimes they just don't show. Mm-hmm. Like the yellowmouth trout for years would come into the St. John's River, and it was, I mean, you'd catch 15, 20, 30, 40, and then for a number of years, they never even showed up. You're like, okay, so why are they here some years and why some years are they not? Because the environmental conditions that they were queuing on change. Okay, food and sex, food sex in different They're trying to eat, they're trying to reproduce. But the reality is, and, and I, Irma is such, been such a, a learning curve for me because when Irma hit, it dumped so much water. It changed the St. John's River and has changed it. Since then, still I would agree. even Last, even to now, even I would to agree. Now. And how many years are we out from Irma now? We're five years out. Five years well, out. Four years out, I guess. Yeah. yeah. Twenty seventeen. And the dredging. We've had two well, years of incredibly hard dredging. Right. Nonstop. Twenty four seven. Constant change. And we're also not sort of aware of the little changes that happen constantly, in which we're we're constantly filling in wetlands. We're constantly paving over things. We're constantly changing the way the river behaves, and. Well, we, the I've last, been looking at this river now for over 40 years, and it's phenomenal the way it's changed. Well, the last time we, we had you in here, we were talking about uh, about the growth. And this was maybe a couple years back. Sure. We were talking about the right. growth and, you know, and, and what can Florida handle well, since COVID has happened and some of the politics of our country. I mean, the growth rate of our area, Quentin, is it, it's, it's at a pace and a level that's never been seen. And you begin to worry – are we going to reach a point that it's unsustainable? Mm-hmm. And yeah. this, is, this is where we've got to sort of begin thinking about it. And it's, it's a question that nobody wants to address because our economy is based on growth. Well, it's the elephant in the room, and nobody wants to talk about right. it, but you got to talk about well, it. I like, mean, Kevin and I think about it because yeah. you reach a certain age, you go, conservation is very important. Yeah. Well, you, very look, important. you also look backwards, and you, you sort of see, you know, as an adage, but, you know, we move forward like rowers while we look backwards. Yeah. And – you know, we see the changes, and we don't like to think that our activities make a difference, but they do. You got to. And, you know, we've, I mean, you know, I, the, my, my bigger concern, you know, I get real concerned about things like climate change and, and sea level rise because we're seeing that. Um, Jacksonville's experiencing, you know, Sunday day flooding because of high tides. And it's just because sea level is rising. Uh, we're overdeveloping. Uh, I worry about water. Um, you know, plastics are, are becoming a huge problem, and you guys see it out on the water all the time. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's almost impossible to go out anytime and not see plastic floating in the water. Well, uh, let's take a break because uh, I'm about to get fired up on that plastics thing and, <laughs> yeah. the, and the trash <laughs> in our city <laughs> and how people just they don't pick up their crap. 
and then how it ends up in the sewer drain because somebody doesn't have the common decency to, to just pick something up and put it in the daggum trash. Log him in for mayor. Uh, yeah, I mean, me and the mayor got to have a conversation about getting this city cleaned up. I'm, I'm telling you, you know, all these people that are locked up, let's give them a job about cleaning up our streets. Yeah. And how about everybody else cleaning up our streets? Anyway, uh, don't get me started, Doc. On it. Yeah. I think you're already starting. 904-641-1010 if you'd like to join us here this morning on the Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show. So uh, now that you're, you know, head of the HOA. <laughs> you are, I'm not the head. <laughs> oh, are, are, are you allowed yeah, to have boat trailers it. in your driveway? Oh, my gosh, no. No? No. No, it, uh, they would uh, they would literally burn you at the stake <laughs> if you had a trailer so, in so, the complex. So, you folks, if, if, if you have that problem, there is a solution. Stack M Storage. They'll come by. They'll pick up your boat trailer. They'll put it in dry storage, do a five-point inspection, take care of it, and whenever you need it back, they'll bring it back to you. That way you don't have to worry about logging and knocking on your door and saying, hey, you hey me, dude. It's <laughs> stackmstorage.com. All right, and welcome back to the uh, the Nimick Chevrolet Outdoor Show. Uh, Dr. Quentin White, uh, Jacksonville University Executive Director of the Marine Science Research Institute, talking a lot of different things. And uh, the, the original reason why we, we talked to you was was the, uh, the worm hatch that we had this past weekend has essentially had a lot of people going, what in the world is going on with this worm hatch? How many, how often, like we saw, like we, if we saw one, Quentin, this past weekend that uh, really slowed our fishery down, how long does it, like a, a fish's digestive system, okay, let's say they gorge on worms on Friday, Saturday, so when might they eat again? Well, it depends on the species, because um, some, some, and you've seen this too when you look at fish. Some fish have huge stomachs, mm-hmm. and they can take in a lot of food, and they don't have to eat for a long time. And they're op- what we call opportunistic feeders. Mm-hmm. You've got other fish that have small stomachs, and they're oftentimes eating little tiny stuff, and they'll do that frequently. And sometimes you get like this, and there's a lot of food for a little while. They'll stuff themselves as much as they can, and then it'll take them a while. But and I don't, again, it varies a lot between species. But anywhere from a days to sometimes there's some evidence that some fish only eat like once a month. Really? Um, yeah. Huh. And so, but well, and you got it, it depends on the species. I mean, sure. it, it varies right. a lot. You got to think about too the the weather we had leading up to this whole El Chipo weekend. You and I fished a couple times together. Oh, it was tough. You were fishing. Oh, it, it was awesome. And it was it was it would be good, and then it would be tough. Yeah. And then it would be good. And these cold fronts were severe. Right. Florida fish were getting beat up pretty hard on this cold weather, and then you'd add the dredging to it and everything else. I think it was just you know accumulative. Exactly. I and really we're do. See, and we're seeing this because our weather patterns are changing, and you know mm. we we've, we've had we've had a a drought going on now for several weeks or several no, months actually. Oh, actually ain't no more not anymore <laughs> well <laughs> but understand that yeah. what, what you're seeing is a very intense amount of rain in a very short period of time right. right i think i had at my house i had something like three inches of rain between the first of january and about a week ago yep i had five inches in my yes. when i looked at it last in the last night. couple yeah, days wow. yeah yeah wow. and yep. so and all that water comes in 
and I had to say it, it's not good water in that re- in the re- sense that it comes in so fast and it runs off so fast. Too mm-hmm. much, too and fast. So yeah. you don't we don't get a whole lot of long term benefit from this kind of rain mm-hmm. because it's so much so fast. And so you need to have infrequent rains, you know, little rains more frequently. Well, that's not what we're having right now. And so beginning in I think since the beginning of the year, our rainfall was down fifty percent over what it should have like normally have been. At this time we then get about fifty three inches of rain a year in this part of Florida. And we should have had about, I think that's close to seven inches at this point. Mm-hmm. We had about three. Well, my gosh. And now dude. we've had five in the last yeah. three days. I mean, it, you know, we kind of went through that last year, but starting in May, I've never seen so much rain yeah. last year. Oh, oh God, oh, last year was crazy. Yeah, we were really, really crap. wet for a while, and then it dried out. Yeah. And we've yeah. been, and we've been, it's hard to think because it got cold a little bit, but we've been, nor- we've been warmer than normal. Oh, and sure. You know, these 80 degree days. Yeah. We, we used to sort of, sort of traditionally get this sort of warm period in May. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we had a very mild winter. Um, yeah. We had, well, we had one We had one freeze, one, one and that freeze. was the first freeze we'd had yeah. in yep. five years or something. Yep. That's right. Yeah, it's crazy. All right, let's go to the phone lines. Uh, Dale's got a whale migration question. And let's. Uh, morning, Dale. Hey, good morning, folks. Got a question for you. This is, is really kind of a reaction to a show I saw a few years ago about a migration an unexpected migration of killer whales. There were several different parts of the show, but one of them was about, it was a group of killer whales that inhabited a fairly rich in terms of prey items and food sources. That was mostly based kind of in California, central California off their coast, Northern California. For some reason, a pod of killer whales, mostly they determined were not adolescents, but young adults, the 20 somethings broke off for reasons unknown, from this area that they had been born in, grew up in, fed in, made it in, all that good stuff, and they went north. And they were the scientists were rather astonished by this because one, the killer whales—they're an intelligent apex predator. They need, obviously need a lot of food. What would cause them to leave those grounds that they had grown up in for parts unknown and future food sources unknown? If I remember the details of the story enough, there had been a change, perhaps, in the availability of the primarily sea lions and seals. That was mostly what that was their main source of food, although they ate fish and other things, but mostly seals. But the change in the availability of of those prey items did not seem drastic enough to force something like having these whales move north. It's like you're you're twenty something. And it's just you decide, you know, these digs just aren't doing it for me anymore. I'm headed out to parts unknown. Uh, off we go. Yeah, thank, thanks for the question, Dale. I think that's a great question. Is that how how sometimes all of a sudden a species does something that is totally non-traditional? Um, Murphy's alive and well. Mm-hmm. Um, the reality is that animals do this all the time, and what happens is a little party will break off and go do something else. And if they survive, then they've expanded the range of that species. If they die, well, all right. It didn't work. It didn't work. So why they do it? You know, you're trying to put human characteristics to an animal. Right. And, uh, you know, as a scientist, I I sort of like, eh, don't try to do that. Yeah. It's like, well, they're thinking this. Well, I'm not sure what they're thinking. Uh, They're reacting to something, and we don't know exactly what. 
and things that we don't perceive, they perceive as being big. Uh, right. And it's all, it's all relative. That's right. You know, uh, I've been, I teach a class right now called Advanced Marine College. We had a lot of fun because we're talking about the impact of our ability to do remote sensing now and also to gather data. And we're a much, much better in the scientific community today of looking at, at massive data sets and understanding how, just how variable things are. And things that used to be, we thought, oh, this is very homogeneous. This is this is all. It's all like this, all everywhere. Mm-hmm. Eh, no, it's Mm-mm. very patchy, and it changes a lot. And it's not until you really get down and start looking at it, you begin to realize, oh wow, look at this, the worm hatch. That's a good yeah. example. You know, this is, this happens all the time. It has happened for years and years and years. It's not new, but you guys, it happened during the tournament. A lot of people trying to do something right now. Oh my gosh, what's happening? Mm-hmm. But it's been going on it's, all the time. It's you know? it's it, Kirk and I's job. I always tell people, you know, people like, oh, you get to go fishing every day. Well, look, it, it ain't that way, okay? Because Kirk called me, dude. I was on a bite at such and such place. Let, let's meet there. We're gonna go tomorrow. Nothing's changed. Got plenty of bait. We get there and uh, crickets. Yeah. And you're like. And, and you know, so so you got to go to Plan B. You better have some kind of a Plan B. But it's always amazed me. It, and 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 listen, you know this as well as I do. It can change in thirty minutes. Yeah. It, it's it's not just a matter of a day. A day for a fish sometimes is is like a lifetime, you know. But you know, it, it's 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 we we've seen this a million times. You you sitting there in the doldrums, ten thirty, eleven o'clock, and you get a southeast sea breeze. All of a sudden, the bite turns on. You know what, what? What is that that, that 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 clicks? Like you said, we try to put it in human terms, but we don't. You know, we, we have, really we don't have, know. It's a wild animal. We have no, no. idea. All right. So uh, before we take a break here, Quentin, uh, I want to just go back to that worm thing just for a second. <laughs> it's killing you. <laughs> well, Dude, I'm, you're I'm hung trying, up on the worm. I'm, trying to, I'm trying to understand. You know, because we've talked about that everything eats the worms, essentially, right? right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. And of course, you know our question is: is boy, why did it impact us? I mean, why did the fishery sure. bite? Because you were fishing the day the worm hatch happened. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. So, so now let me go back to and and start to understand this poly polychaetes polychaetes polywog. Okay. This polychaete, which is the the worm, right? What do they eat? They they are primarily detritus or filter feeders, and so they're eating the stuff on the bottom. The mud and the mud and, and all this kind of stuff. De- and, and that decaying that, matter. That gets us on into a whole different yeah. food chain. Yeah, they're eating um, decaying. Okay. It's all based on the plant life. And it becomes it's fascinating because you know you think, oh, they're eating the plants. No, they're really not. Those plants contain a material called cellulose. It's what you eat when you eat quote fiber. And we cannot digest it. And in fact the worms can't really digest it. But there are bacteria and little protozoans that can digest it because they have an enzyme called cellulase, which breaks down the cellulose and makes it sugars. And so they live on these particles. And then so when the worm is eating them, they're not actually eating the plant material per se. They're actually eating the bacteria and the protozoans that are living on the plants. So, And that's a good thing for our water because, I mean, they are part of the filter process. Exactly. And what happens, too, is that we break these things down from – bigger chunks to progressively smaller and smaller and smaller pieces. And as they do that, the amount of surface area changes. There's a phenomenon, the surface to volume ratio. You, you think as things get smaller, they have a larger surface area relative to their volume. Um, 
All right, so so before we go to break, uh, so I, I have a, just a quick question. Yes, it, there's not going to be a quiz on there on this, is it? <laughs> no, no, we're I, not doing the pop quiz. No, you just you already failed the midterm. Yeah. So oh, you have, you have no idea. But with with these worms, okay, so they're kind of filter feeder things. If if you took, let's say you go to the bottom, and you take a square one square foot, okay, how far? deep into the mud dirt sand do they live and if you took one square foot however deep it needs to be how many worms per se might be in that area okay it depends totally on the the sediment type and what that material is Mm -hmm. um you think about some of our our sandier soil they may be deeper because you have to worry about the amount of oxygen that can go down into that that sediment and in fact, one of the things that the worms do is they help oxygenate that sediment and break it down as they as they could dig down. But it, it varies dramatically. In some cases, I'd probably say in the first three or four inches, you're going to find most of the worms. And in fact, if you go out, if you've been digging fiddler crabs and you've mm-hmm. you've dug into the worm, you dug into the mud, mm-hmm. you, you know that layer. You can sort of see the color change mm-hmm. from sort of white to black, and that's where the oxygen has gotten down to. And so just like the fiddler crabs will burrow down into that, and they rely on that water coming down and bringing oxygen to them, the worms do the same thing. And the numbers can vary dramatically depending on what else is going on in the environment, what's there. Interesting. Yeah, looking at that, what we call biodiversity, and that we use a a quarter meter square kind of thing, uh, will tell you what kind of help of that environment is, and that's part of what we do. All right, so let's take a break. Uh, when we come back, I want to find out the viability of using worms as bait. How can, can we, we dig can, some can bait? We, can we talk to you about something? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just kidding. We got Ruined a lot to talk about. Here. I, want, yeah. I want to talk to him about all kinds of things. I mean, this is this is awesome. It's like the great big book of everything, having Dr. Quentin White in studio. Uh, folks, uh, Dr. Quentin White, Executive Director of Jacksonville University Marine Science Research Institute, right here in studio, right here on the Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show. Welcome back to the Nimnik Chevrolet Outdoor Show. It's time now for the LV Hires, Inc. Gear Tip of the Week, and... Uh, it's probably fitting that the weather is what it is yeah. for this gear tip, okay? It because is. in the springtime, there are a lot of projects that you would like to do, and one of them is you want to knock the old mold and the mildew and kind of get things freshened up for spring, and this wet, nasty, ugly weather creates the green sidewalks and the greenness on the side of your house. Well... There is something that can clean that. Mm-hmm. And uh, you can find it at uh, Hagen Ace Hardware and some of the other home improvement stores. It's that 30-second outdoor cleaner. And that stuff is absolutely money. Now, Handy Randy, a few years back, turned us on to this uh, wet and forget. Mm-hmm. Okay, which That's is right. kind of the same thing. You put it in a pump-up sprayer. You, you dilute it a little bit with water. And uh, this 30-second outdoor cleaner I happened to buy at the same time that I bought the Wet and Forget at the behest of Handy Randy. And I'm not the kind of patient guy that's going to spray something on and forget about it. That's news. Okay? (laughs) I want to spray something on and see instant results. 
and that's what you get with the 30 second outdoor cleaner. Mm-hmm. You use well, it, it does, yeah, absolutely. It, it yeah, does oh, take I, 30 seconds. Yeah, just say. Yeah, that's right. No, I, I have. I, I keep it in the garage now. Stuff is awesome. Yeah, yeah, absolutely, it's awesome. If you've got like a mold or a mildew patch, or you know, you want to pressure wash your sidewalk, and uh, and you want to save a lot of time. Uh, put the 30-second outdoor cleaner on it, man. Mm-hmm. I'm just telling you, it makes it so much easier. And yes, for cleaning the side of the house, your gutters, your eaves, your... Uh, windows. Your windows. I yeah. mean, everything yep. on the outside of your house and anything that's outdoors. And and I will tell you this, uh, if you want to put it on something metal, don't leave it on for very long. Because, mm-hmm. I mean, it will put some rust on something pretty quick. And I don't know if it just... That 30-second outdoor cleaner, it'll knock off some of that protective coating. Oxalic acid. Yeah, right. on some of that metal, and it knocks it off pretty quick. Mm-hmm. But that's your LV Hire Zinc gear tip of the week. And LV Hire supplies quality fuels and lubricants all across our area. has been doing it for a very long time. And if you've got a job site or a business that needs fuel or lubricants, LVHIERS.com is the place to go. Dr. Quentin White joins us in studio today. And uh, Quentin... I don't want to beat up on this worm thing, but uh, <laughs> too late. Yeah, you know we we, we, we talk it was about personal. It just was personal, Jeff. They came looking for you. Yes. <laughs> just what the last thing about this is that okay, what we're seeing in the water, you're saying is not necessarily the worm. Correct. Okay. What we're seeing in the water though looks like a worm. Sure. It, it moves like a worm. Yes. So is. How is that? If it's not an, a worm, it's not a duck. How can it look like a duck and quack like a duck, but not be a duck? It's because the worms are these long, thin, and I'm gonna say, it sounds funny when I say it, a long, thin worm-like structure. You know, the word is vermiform. Okay. Um, and so when you break off part of it, it's a little tiny worm. I mean, it, it it is basically a little tiny worm, but it doesn't have all the worm parts, if you will. Okay. So what is like the worm that's in the in the bottom? Okay, because I saw all the worms that are swimming in the water. Right. Don't laugh at me. I'm trying to get an I can't education help it. here. Kevin said it was really funny. <laughs> Choking on my coffee there. Sorry. How? What, what would Patton. a polycate, like the real polycate, look like? Not what we're seeing in the water. They, they have a head. They have a middle. And they have a tail. I mean, they're you know long. And what's breaking off is the tail, which is containing the gonads. Okay. Well, it and looks so like it has eyes, though. That's kind of sad. If you went, you had his a little bit. If you go down and, and I break. I bet you never heard that you would, or never thought that you would hear the term gonads and worms together. <laughs> so I never yeah, thought but, I'd hear of swimming gonads. I just never thought I'd hear that. I swear when you pick them up, it looks like it's got two little now, dots see? like eyes. Oh, those they are, ain't dots. Yeah, those, they those ain't dots. dots. <laughs> those would be gonads. <laughs> oh, get away from me. Don't touch me. Yeah, well, it's, you know. Poor Quinn has to, you know, he's like, wait a minute, this is It is the outdoor It's like his kids in his classroom. Academic environment. Yeah, and some species. If he was teaching fifth grade. (laughs) In some species, what happens, the worm itself will swim to the surface, and maybe this is what's happening in this case, and then the little tail actually breaks off. So you might be actually seeing part of the head. Okay. Because there are literally thousands of species that do this, there's probably a dozen different ways they do it. And so, So but in some cases, the... The, what you think are, quote, eyes are dark pigmented areas that are something else in terms of the way the animal functions. Wow. Uh, you just, I'm, I'm not sure. So, I mean, just ball, like ballpark, how long would one be? I mean, they vary? I mean, because you said there's thousands of varieties. Oh, yeah. I mean, of they go from literally a few millimeters to five to six inches. Five or six inches. Okay. Yeah. Wow. I was well, just you trying to think. Your, you know, you buy your bait worms and you. You know, as a kid, as a kid, 
you would always end up going and and in Virginia, you know, we would yeah. go to the mulch pile. Right, exactly. And we we turn the mulch pile over. And get earthworms. And get earthworms. And get earthworms. Exactly. And so, the, I mean, these worms are kind of like similar to that, but they just live under the sea. Yeah, earthworms are what I've referred to as oligarchies. They have few hairs. They're, they're slim. But then what we used to buy is when I was growing up, we called them bloodworms, but they were polychaetes, and they had lots of little legs on the sides. Mm-hmm. And you cut them up into bits and pieces, and you put them like on Like a your, centipede, yeah. almost. Oh, they look like a centipede, yeah. It's a hundred legs. Yeah. Same, same phenomena. Interesting. Well, uh, I've had one of the crabbers. Raymond Kigg told me years ago, he said, have you ever tried earthworms? I said, no. And he goes, for you know, what? Sheephead. I've, sheephead. I've heard that, too, but he I said, thought it was a lobster. you might want to try it I mean, why, why not? Yeah. I don't know. I mean, they, yeah. Hey, sheep, just think. Sheephead eat, I mean, the they got that set of chompers because what they're eating are the barnacles and the oysters, the small oysters, and all the stuff that's living with them, mm-hmm. which means all the little crabs and all the little worms, it's all in there. And that's what they're digesting. They're spitting out the, the debris, if you would. Mm-hmm. Yeah, a lot of so times when you clean a sheephead, it looks like they ate a bowl of salad. Yeah. I mean, yeah, that, that's what they're that, eating, all the little right. tribalites and we, know, we had that conversation crabs and whatever. I, I had just had somebody text me, uh, Greg Carrasco, and, and, and this time of year, we get that, that, that slime, that green, real algae slime. Yeah. And, 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 and all of our fish are stuffed with it, too. You know? I mean, you, you, you've seen it a million times, Kirk, and, and we've always asked the question, are they eating this, this, this algae, or are they eating the, what's the, living in it? What's living in it? Yeah, probably a combination of both. Probably a combination of both. I, I would, I would think so too. I've seen uh, just to kind of follow up on that yeah. in the in the summertime in the River Quentin, where you would have, I'd catch sheep's head in the in the St. John's River, and a lot of these docks, pilings, whatever that would have the barnacles growing on it and such. They also had this what I call like this green leafy material. We sure. call it like you know dock salad. It's mm-hmm. called. Called the, sea, it's called sea lettuce. Okay, sea lettuce. Yeah. And these sheep's head would have a green tint to their head. Sure. Mm-hmm. And it was like, okay, does the green tint come from them sticking their head into the dock salad or, or sea yeah. lettuce, whatever? Or is it from eating, digesting that stuff, and then maybe some of that uh, greenish tint maybe flows into their body? I don't know. But it's just it's weird how that you can see that. In most cases, it's the coloration is rubbing off of the animal onto the animal. It's not coming from them eating it. Eating it, okay. Turning green. Otherwise, uh, the flesh would be turning green too as well. Yeah, okay. Yeah. It, most of the time, when you when animals digest their food, they're breaking that down, and so you're not picking up the, the coloration. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right, Doug, we got to take a break. Gosh, I mean, we just nonstop. This thing is like rolling here. Yeah, I know. Uh, and I, because I wanted to ask, I'm going to ask some more questions here. Uh, I want to ask phone calls. Welcome yeah, back we got, to the Nimnik Worm Show. Uh, well, we got, <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, I learned a lot. I mean, I've got, worms have gonads. <laughs> I never knew that. So <laughs> I, I learned that every, every animal has gonads. Okay. Yeah. 904-641-1010. And I know we got some people on the phone lines here, but we're trying to ask as many questions of the good doc as we can. Right here on the Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show. So I have a little, could have been a big issue. A little issue this week. I was had a charter on Wednesday and I was back in the boat down the ramp. And just about got the boat in the water, my brakes quit. And I'm rolling down the ramp. <laughs> and uh, 
I had the wherewithal, thank goodness, to hit the emergency brake and stopped me. And then my brakes started working again, which was really strange. So anyway, I, I, honest to goodness, got through the day and and um, I got home and I checked the mail. I had a recall notice in, in the mail about, about my brakes. I couldn't believe it. And so anyway, I called Claude Nolan Cadillac and, um, you know, we always talk about their service and stuff. Man, it, you know, the cool thing, you make an appointment, you know, you, you show up, they, they know who you are, they take care of your vehicle. Um, and that's why I got Uber Jeff to pick me up this morning. Yeah, I didn't, I didn't know that I was uh, car service for Claude Nolan Cadillac. <laughs> yes, you are. Working out pretty good. But, but, uh, but, but anyway, thank, a huge thanks to uh, Mark Helmick and everybody over at Claude Nolan because Mark had to take me home. You know, I didn't know if I was going to wait on it or what, but it, it ended up that there was another recall that they had to fix on the truck. So um, it, it, I appreciate them taking care of it, and, and thank you. Mark, for the ride, and Jeff, thank you this morning. Yeah, not a problem. For, for, for not a problem. picking me up. Uh, so uh, before we go to the phone lines yes. here, just an <laughs> interesting question because I was thinking about this this week. Uh, this week was my daughter's spring break, and so we had a little daddy-daughter spring break time. We went down to uh, Kennedy Space Center this week oh, very on cool. Monday, which was tremendous. Uh, cool. We spent some time ziplining in Ocala. And by the way, folks, I mean, we have so many wonderful things that we can do in our state. Mm-hmm that uh, can really uh, have a, he can have a great time with. And then on Wednesday, we went and spent time down in St. Augustine. And, I, and I'd been there before, but she wanted to go and do the, the downtown St. Augustine thing. And, of course, we kicked it off by going to the fort mm-hmm. in St. Augustine, which is cool. It's awesome. It's cool. It really is. Yeah, the fort's cool. It really is. And uh, that kind of – and I had a question because as I am walking through this fort, and that fort is made of – Coquina. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Okay. And Coquina, these things, these Coquina blocks that they build this fort out of. And I was sitting there going, where? I mean, they they explained how they got it from Anastasia Island. Mm -hmm. And I'm going, I've never seen like a hard pack, you know, hard Coquina. I was wondering, where do they get that from? On Anastasia Island, just out of curiosity, and and how common is this hard coquina packed together substance? Um, if you go down to Washington Oak State Park, which that's is right. just south of St. Augustine, uh, it's you can see it there. In fact, that's where they got part of this material, and it's forming as we speak right now. Um, it's fascinating because what's happening is the it's a, sh- a combination of shell and sand material and the pH gets just right, and it solidifies and becomes almost concrete-like. And it's using the same calcium carbonate from the shell material. So you look at it, you begin to realize there's lots and lots of little shells mm-hmm. and some sand mixed in. And under just right conditions, it'll it'll harden. And it's dynamic because, gosh, I've been to Washington. I love Washington Oaks. Washington um, Oaks, if you've never been, Jeff. I've never been. Oh, oh you oh, got to go. Yeah, you got to go. It's, it's very cool. you got to yeah. go there. It goes from the marsh to the ocean. It's mm-hmm. the only state park in Florida that does that. Washington Oaks. Now, how do you get there? Just out of curiosity. South for down A1A. Just, yeah, south, south of Marine Land. Land. Just south, south of Marine Land. Just south of Marine Land. Yeah. Okay. And, um, awesome surf fishing. Okay. It's, Incredible surf fishing. It's beautiful down yeah. there. I'm surprised. I can't believe I never, we never talked about that. Yeah, Washington Oaks. All these years, 25 amazing. years of the I'm show. I'm surprised you haven't been there. Yeah, I've been there. I've gone down there and scuba dove right off the beach. Okay. And and it's it's wonderful to to walk that beach. Um, it's hard. It's a it's not an easy walk in some respects because depending on tide, you 
if it's high tide, you're walking along the rocks, and so you're up and down and up and down. And you'll right. find areas that washed out. You'll find rocks that have tilted. You can see the sedimentation layers mm-hmm. when you look at it. Um, there are lots of little. I always pay attention to the sedimentation layers. I'm, yeah. sure, I'm sure you do. <laughs> you see it, you just don't realize it. But it, and the worms. Really cool. <laughs> but they. But you also have a whole lot of other things that live there because you you've got little limpets, little like Chinese hats that are a little snail that crawls around. And what the, they're sort of cool because during low tide, they actually go out and crawl around the rocks and eat the algae, and then crawl back into the same spot that they left because they will actually etch down a little spot and they pull down inside of that and to, to wide out the tide so when the, the waves wash over. Huh. And you also find these little holes in it, and the holes are, are where that rock did not get quite as hard and the waves pound and it starts a little circular motion, and then it'll eventually spurl around. And if it goes deep enough and goes through the layers, you'll see these blowholes. It'll wash up and the, you'll mm-hmm. see the, the water splash up. Oh, it's a it's a beautiful part of Florida. I mean, just it's going to the fort, you know. And I've been there before, but then you just you know every time you go there, you look at something different, and sure. and to see the actual the architecture using that coquina, it's pretty amazing. Mm-hmm. And uh, the, and that fort, I mean, obviously they probably have had to do some repairs to it and everything through the years. But uh, man, what a what a what a cool experience that that I had this week, and I, I wanted to make mention of this, by the way, and this is just for me to get off the chest, and I mentioned it to Kevin. We were at the Kennedy Space Center, which is incredible. Uh, we, we literally got there soon after opening, and we shut it down. And they kick you out at five o'clock, and they were having to kick us out, and it was it was incredible. The, that's the, a lot. that's the, great. Yes, and uh, uh, and and I've never been there before. And it's a, there's a lot of interactive stuff where you see videos and and things of that nature, and and part of the space program, at least at the height of the popularity of it, was back under JFK and, and you know, and then when he had some of the famous words, we said, we go to the moon not because it's easy, but difficult, you know, and, and then they had some uh, live video they were showing of Reagan, and he was talking about the Challenger, the loss of the crew of the Challenger, and I'm just sitting there listening to JFK and listening to Reagan and how eloquent they were and how presidential they were, and I just went, boy, I really miss that. <laughs> yes. I really miss Amen. that because yeah. we haven't had that in a long time. Yeah. Anyway, I just wanted to say that. All right, let's go to the phone lines, and uh, who's been hanging on the longest, Chris? Sandy. Sandy, Sandy all right, let's Sandy. talk Sandy because uh, Sandy's going to bring up turkey hunting here. Good morning, Sandy. Good morning, guys. How you doing? Good morning, buddy. Thanks for hanging on, man. Oh, yeah, man. Um yeah, we've had a few kids that wanted to go hunting. They've been ready to go since 5 o'clock. Um, looks like we're going to get a break. I'm sitting down here on Black Bottom Road. Oh. I think Dr. White knows where I'm at. Um, but wind's going to be blowing, but we're going to take the kids out there because they've been looking forward to it. Yeah, today is the opening of youth season mm-hmm. in uh, the, the, the northeast Florida region for turkey season. Correct. Which club on Black Bottom are you a member of? Um, Butler Bay. Okay. I was wondering if you ever. I'm in. Uh, I'm in Snake Island. It. I'm in Snake Island. I hunt right there. Yeah, I knew. Um, Clint um, Montgomery was a member. You yeah. know Will Montgomery. Yeah, Will's a son, close to Dad. Yeah. Yeah, but uh, it's a beautiful piece of property down here. But we're hoping this weather blows by. It looks like it's going to give us a break here in another hour. Yeah, I was thinking about coming down this afternoon, but I think I'm. It's probably underwater right now too. Yes. 
Hmm. My God. Yeah, oh, yeah. You know, yeah, they were telling me if you know where the oil well stand is. Yeah, uh, I know exactly it's what it is. underwater. Yeah, I don't doubt that a bit. Mm. Yeah. All right, well, Sandy, good luck, and I hope it clears up, and uh, I hope the wind's not too bad once it does clear up. Yeah, it ought to be good. All right, well, it's good luck. tomorrow again. All right, good luck, weekend. Sandy. All right, thank you, man. Thanks, buddy. All right, real quick, let's uh, let's go talk to Gary before we take a break. Good morning, Gary. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey, hey, Dr. White, with the uh, recent passing of the in- infrastructure bill, and we know a need a good cleaning up of the Everglades down there in South Florida. Would you discuss the uh, ecological impact that that could have on marine life for the rest of the state? Thank you. On the cleanup of the Everglades? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, boy. Yeah. <laughs> That's a long... Oh, boy. You thought the worm question was... Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Let's, I tell you what. Let's take a break. We'll come back and we'll we'll talk about the the Everglades a little bit, and then uh, we also had a gentleman that uh, we had on from Mang Clothing, and uh, yes. I want to ask you a question about the mangroves, okay? Because uh, his uh, charity, essentially, or the what he likes to do, or and they do with some of the money that they raise, is to replant mangroves, and I want to ask your question about that, and then also how mangroves have really kind of started to show up in big numbers in our area. That's right. They're migrating a, north. Which, yep, yeah, which exactly. is a big change. We'll do that and more right after this right here on the Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show. And we uh, started this show off just immediately with Dr. Quint White talking worms and didn't even do a weather and the tides, and we're going to do that right now. <laughs> Good point. Here's a weather report brought to you by the Beard of Pigs. The best barbecue in Jacksonville, and it's not even close. There's two locations, one right there in San Marco, and that's a new location, just a little bit south of where the original Bearded Pig was at. Great building, got a little outdoor seating and everything. It's going to clear up today, so uh, uh, that would be actually a great place to go today. And then, of course, the beach location. And, uh, Kirk, you've got the offshore weather. I'm going to let you read the offshore weather. I'm going to read the hourly inshore real quick before you, while you're getting that up because I know that a lot of people are anticipating maybe the players sure. would be played today, okay? And yes, this is the hourly forecast uh, at uh, in this hour, 100% chance of rain. It's going to be backing off to 60% in the 9 o'clock hour and then by 10 a.m. backing off to only 20%. So it looks like – it's going to be clear and no rain for today. Yeah, the, from the updates yesterday, they said they were going to open the gates at 11 a.m. Okay, that's yep. just, it looks like well, here's that the biggest be problem, timing. Though. We've got an edging front coming this way, so they've got a gale warning in effect through late tonight. So we've got a tornado watch in effect until 11 o'clock this morning. Southwest winds today, 20 to 25 knots, becoming northwest 25 to <laughs> 30 knots. Be, that little white ball is going to be all over the place. Gusts to 40 knots oh, today, folks, nice. so be mm. careful. North winds tonight, 20 to 25 knots, gusts to 35 knots, so it's going to blow. Uh, northeast winds tomorrow, 15 to 20, diminishing to 10 to 15 in the afternoon. Monday, east winds 10 to 15. Tuesday, southeast winds 5 to 10. So it looks like it's going to blow through pretty quick you know, and settle you, down. You know the worst part about this is we were up at the property last week, and, man, all of my blueberry bushes are bloomed out, mm-hmm. all of my – And you got it, cold coming. 24 degrees tonight, Yeah, it's going to get cold. Yeah, you're going to have a hard cold, freeze. Yeah, yeah. it's going to get cold. Uh, the, the window for today is going to be a big factor for those guys playing 
playing golf and uh, good luck, boys, yeah. uh, because it's going to be uh, west northwest northwest at 19 to 20 miles an hour, and uh, conditions will be a little moist. And I will have, uh, if I was on the course today, I might break out my, uh, what, what do we call these yeah, boots? Oh, yeah. that the extra Hucks. Hucks. The Huck boots or the uh, extra tough boots uh-huh. with the, put the golf spikes on the bottom of them. Are you going to wear shorts with those? Uh, no. <laughs> I might. I might wear my tights. Oh, wear yeah. my tights, yeah. You know, the interesting thing with this heavy oh, west wind, too, we're going to have a major, major yeah. drop in tides. Yeah, oh, yeah. All right, let's do a Tides Report brought to you. Get, you pull the tides up. We'll do a Tides Report brought to you by Angie Subs right there at the corner of Beach and Penman, the home of the Peruvian, and then also uh, one of my favorites, the Dr. Bang Scrippy, and don't forget the, the best turkey sub mm-hmm. ever in the world that you've ever had is at uh, Angie Subs. And the French fries, tremendous. Uh, every place I go to, literally the measuring stick for French fries is Angie Subs. And there has not been anybody close yet. Angie's up the best subs shop in Jacksonville with the best French fries as well. And the tides for today? Low tide this morning at 10.05 a.m. And what you're going to see, that's, I think, with Jack's these heavy, Beach. Jack's Beach, you're mm-hmm. going to see these heavy west winds. It's going to get super, super low yeah. in the next two days. You're going to see it's stuff in that water. you the fish, period. Yeah, you don't want to go out we there. we got pretty, too many pretty days, man. It's you just know? too, too it's, uh, this, edgy. This, you know? this is Ugh. bad. It gets dangerous when the wind gets listen, up that hard. Just sit and listen to us Stay talk home. about worms. Stay mm. home and listen to the worms. <laughs> <laughs> well, wait a minute, because now, now, we, now we get to talk about the swamp. Oh, yeah. yeah. The swamp. Yeah. Mm. The so, swamp? Yeah. I mean, are we talking politics swamp? Or no, are we talking- no. <laughs> no, remember Gary's question. You know, he was talking about he was talking about. Well, it's the, not the swamp, the the, the Everglades. Yeah, the Everglades. Yeah. Well, that's, yeah. a, that's a really really big swamp. I think, no, it's, a, I, I think it's a good question. And uh, Dr. White, uh, the Everglades. Yeah. Well, actually, the definitive book on the Everglades is called The Swamp, um, which is a very interesting read if you want to read about the environment. Chris, did you know that that was the name of the book? Hell yes. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, no, <laughs> no, no. Well, you call it the swamp, but. I grew up in Chesapeake, Virginia, and so we had the great dismal swamps. But when I was growing up, the swamp was actually that part of the world. Yeah, which is all around the tidewater, which is the yep. southeastern corner of the state of Virginia. Yep, that's my stomping grounds. Yeah. Um, at any rate, um, the Everglades are a poster child for human impact on the environment um, because because of hurricanes and because of hurricanes, particularly in the late 1800s and early 1900s, that killed literally thousands of Floridians. There was a lot of pressure brought to the Corps to go in and put in canals and drain the Everglades, drain the swamp, drain Okeechobee um, Lake. And we've dumped all that material oftentimes into what's called Florida Bay, which is the water south of Florida around the Keys. And it's had huge environmental impacts. And we have literally spent billions of dollars at this point trying to undo what we fix what we did tried to fix from years ago um you know we've the Kissimmee river we straightened the Kissimmee river now we've twisted that back up and, and try because we realized those twists and turns were important so the, the the everglades are a classic example of of we trying to do something and not realizing the long-term consequences of it and uh, now we're trying we're in the process of trying to correct those mistakes but the caller was exactly right it it impacts the entire state of florida um, and sometimes we have what you know these unintended consequences. One of the things that I this is a, to how to phrase this: um, when you flush your toilet and your material goes into a sewage treatment plant, mm-hmm. and the process we process that 
and we remove as much nutrients as we can, and some of that nutrients goes in our wastewater and gets discharged. So it gets made other fertilizer. Yeah, but other we end up with some material that is politely called biosolids. Uh, it's actually basically wastewater sludge, and we got to dispose of it. And in fact, here locally, um, if you've been in Jacksonville very long, back before they developed the area around Regency, um, it used to be put out there. Um, those are sand dunes out there, and they would plow it in, and, and it, now that's all been covered over. It's all covered with apartments. Yeah, but what <laughs> happened in South Florida was they were, dispo- they were disposing of this biosolid material, this sludge, um, into the watershed of the Everglades. Mm-hmm. Well, when you get a rain like this today, and it's just flooding, and so that water just washes off, takes all those nutrients with it into the Everglades and into Florida Bay. And our legislature, in their wisdom, sort of said, okay, well, then we need to quit putting all those biosolids into the watershed of the Everglades. Well, that's fine and good, except it's got to go somewhere. And so where'd they put it? Well, it's now in the St. John's River watershed, and so it's washing into our mm. water. And this part of the cause that we've got these algae blooms in South Florida that's crowding out the seagrasses that's causing manatee dust. And so it's just we do things because we don't we think it's a good thing to do, and then we discover there's a inadvertent, you know, unintended consequences. And now we're losing literally hundreds of manatees uh, because we're of water quality issues crowding out the, sur- the seagrass, which we were talking earlier about was these seagrasses. But what do we, I mean? Because when you got to go, you got to go. So what do we do? Well, we've got to figure out a better way of handling this sewage material. And it may be using it in fertilizer, spreading over large areas, because what happens is it gets put into a confined area because that's cheaper um, than trying to spread, spread it over it huge areas. Mm-hmm. Um, There's you know, a- and it's more expensive. You know, I can see putting this stuff, for instance, in tree farms, but now you've got to figure out a way to spread it economically mm-hmm. in a vast amount of area. Um, we've got stuff growing, so it's there, it's, not you, a, it's not an easy problem. When you bring that up about tree farms, it's interesting. And that uh, up in Georgia, there's uh, near where the town where where our place is at up there, they have a, a essentially a, a treatment area. Sure. Okay, and then and it's got a couple ponds, you know, and it's got the aerators going in the ponds, and then that water's piped up the hill, and then eventually it goes through these sprinklers into this hayfields. Right. Okay, and uh, the deer literally come from everywhere to eat that material because it's getting the fertilizer mm-hmm. type stuff into the grass. And what state was that in? Where at? Huh? Where at? It's in Georgia. Oh, in Georgia. Okay. Yeah. And it's, uh, and literally, uh, it, it, and I, cause I remember I was driving past this little area and I knew what it was. I mean, cause you got the water treatment, you drive down the road just a little bit more and then they've got this area where they got sprinklers set up and mm-hmm. the sprinklers, you know, shoot the water that's being from the treatment center just down the road. And one day I was driving, and it was, you know, it was probably an hour hour before dark, and it was 15, 20 deer. And and the reason I looked over there is because there were deer crossing the road going towards there on my way there. I'm like, holy cow. And then I look out in the field, I'm like, wow, look at all them. And so I yeah. called my buddy, and he's like, yeah, he goes, it's like that every day. He goes, there's just a ton of deer that go over there because of the, uh, I guess, the fertilizer qualities of this material yeah. that they put through the sprinklers. Right. And, we, and we do a better job of that I mean, right here locally. Um, you've got a lot of areas that have what they call purple pipe in which they've actually run wastewater along with their regular water, and you can use that water to irrigate your yards. Mm-hmm. Um, Temaquan Country Club gets water from NAS Jacks, 
gets their wastewater and they spray it onto the the um, golf course. The golf course. And when they did that, well, the golf course likes it because they reduced their fertilizer use by about forty percent. Mm-hmm. Right. Right. And so they don't have to apply the they don't have to pay for fertilizer like they used to. And so Gosh, and right this now is where we got to be, we be smarter <laughs> about it. But yeah. the trouble is, we have so many areas that have been already built out, and you know, like you say, we go, you got to go, and you flush it, you don't think about it a whole lot. But mm-hmm. eventually, somebody's got to take care of that stuff. Uh, it's 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 amazing. I mean, how far to that we think about we've come, and I think to the. Um, uh, before we take a break, the St. Augustine Fort, mm-hmm. and they had the bathrooms that they showed in there. Mm-hmm. And <laughs> they right. had these elevated things, you know, <laughs> yeah. and, and nice, comfortable things where, you know, you take a dump, and and then when the tide came in, it would pick up the the poo, and then when the tide went out, it carried it away. It's <laughs> it's, <laughs> I was like, wow. I mean, it's like, man, isn't that but, – but, I mean, to think of where we were at mm-hmm. and where we're trying to get, I mean, it's, uh, it's, it's pretty amazing. Well, and that works for a relatively small number of people. Right. But you can't do it for a town of a million. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah, which uh, our population is not getting any smaller, that's for sure. All right, uh, let's go ahead and get Top Gun real quick, and we'll, we'll tell Top Gun. Good morning, Top Gun. We're going to try to keep you a little tight here. Rock and roll. Morning. I'm having a hell of a time this morning trying to compete with worms. What the what? <laughs> it's worms or pork rinds. Welcome to the show, Doc. Good to hear you on there. You are one smart cookie. Well, that makes one of us. Uh, Hey, um, I went down to, you know, the worms are not the reason that you didn't catch any fish. Okay. The reason you didn't catch any fish is because Putin invaded Ukraine. Oh, that's right. (laughs) I forgot. I mean, that guy's getting blamed for everything. I mean, it's incredible. I, I went down to the boat ramp. Saturday about two thirty to see logs and Captain Kirk to see what they caught mm-hmm. and I'm looking and looking and it's easy to spot uh, logs because everybody he's talking to comes up to his waist and I'm looking and looking and no logs no Captain Kirk so I see one of the good old boys standing there and I said did you see Logman or Kirk he said ah oh, they didn't catch anything. And I said, well, how do you know that? And he said, since they got the tra- boat on the trailer, they were peeling rubber out of the parking lot. <laughs> we didn't. This we didn't. Late, uh, this, we struggled. Yeah. yeah we this lady away. goes and buys a brand new Mercedes. Everything on it loaded. Who does? She, a blonde? A lady. Uh, no, some lady. Well, she's a not a blonde? Lady. I mean, usually it's a blonde. Nope. It's a redhead. Nope. Is nope. she redhead or a yeah. brunette? Brunette. Okay. Stop right. it. And it's loaded, got everything on it. So she signs all the papers, leaves the dealership, and turns the radio on, and there's rap music playing. And she's like, I don't like this. So she starts punching buttons, and nothing nothing happens. The rap music's on there. So she makes a UB, goes back to the dealership, gets the salesman, says, Mom, I'm not buying this car, but the radio's messed up. So he walks out to the car with her and he says what's the problem she said i turned on the radio and rap music's playing i don't like rap and i started punching the buttons and nothing happened he said oh this radio's voice activated he said you just tell what you want it to play like watch this jazz and jazz came on the radio 
So she says, oh, that's cool. So he gets out of the car and she leaves. She listens to the jazz for a while. And uh, all of a sudden she goes, uh, rock and roll. And the Eagles come on playing, playing their songs. And she says, man, I really like this. About that time, some car about sideswiped her and cut in front of her, ran her off the road. And she says, you moron! And the radio station switched to the State of the Union address. LPS, <laughs> baby! <laughs> That's great. That's great. Oh, poor Kirk. Uh, <laughs> All right. I'll take that one. All right, we'll take. Let's take a break yeah, on okay, that. Uh, 904-641-1010. If Ooh. you have a question for the executive director of the Jacksonville University's Marine Science Research Institute, Mr. Quentin White, and just wanted to remind everybody that look, you go to the Nimnick family of dealerships because you always get a best price guarantee, and that's at Buick GMC, which is on Phillips Highway, just south of the Avenues Mall, and Chevrolet at 1550 Cassett Avenue. And I tell you what, if you got a barn, I can tell you, if you, you want to make it like a jam-up barn, get the shark coatings on the floor of the barn. you going to put that in your barn? <clears throat> well, the reason why is that, uh, you know, you, Schulte. In, a, in a barn, okay, like, like Schulte's barn, Yeah. okay, if something spills, it's wipe right up with the shark coatings yeah, on there. You're right. I mean, you could even park your Kubota tractor from Coastal Equipment even in there on the floor Ooh. of that barn. Okay, and then you can even color, like Schulte's got, his floor of his barn is totally matching. Am I right? No, you're right. Totally matches the, the outside colors of the barn, and <clears throat> God forbid if you go in there with, with a muddy shoe, okay, then, then the mop gets broken out, and then the beauty is, is that, man, those, that floor, it just cleans right up, man. Sure. Shark coatings uh, is the ticket. So anyway, uh, welcome back to the Nimic Chevrolet Outdoor Show. Dr. Quentin White, uh, Jacksonville University Executive Director of Marine Science Research Institute. And uh, you brought up a, a great topic during the break, Quentin, with OSEARCH, which uh, we've been to Mayport uh, quite a bit here in the last month. And there's a sign there that says, you know, yep. future home of OSEARCH. Yep. Uh, where is that at? And where is the boat? And how is it doing? Boat, I think, right now is in Charleston. Um, it was just off Fernandina Beach the end of last week and went went north to avoid the weather. Um, they did, in, Chris texted me, I'm thinking it's Thursday now, the days run together a little bit. Um, Who's the captain? The uh, captain is Brett McBride. Okay. But uh, Chris Fisher is, of course, the founding director okay. of um, O-Search. And he had texted because they had just seen an 18-foot, 4,000-pound estimated size. Wow. Great white. Off of Fernandina. Off of Fernandina. How, how far off offshore? Um. I'm not positive. They were beyond cell phone distance, so I, I didn't get exact. Well, that's a dinosaur there. Yeah. That's a that is a huge. But it circled the contender for 30 minutes and never took the bait. No, which kidding. the contender is the essentially the the fishing the boat. skiff that they yeah. launch from the big boat to right. catch the sharks to 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 do right. tissue samples, et cetera. Yeah, they're 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 floating bait, typically big hunks of something, um, that uh, the shark will attack, but. For whatever reason, this guy or gal, I'm not sure. What 18 it was foot, 4,000 pounds. You got to be smart to be that big. So, yeah. What's the biggest recorded great yeah. white? 
out of curiosity. I don't know. That's a good question. I, I mean, that's because that's, I'm thinking Kirk and Kirk's going to yeah, do go, what we all do, which is GTS it, Google yeah. that stuff. Right, but so, so what's the biggest one they've caught? Um, I, you know, I'm not positive. It, I mean, I, I'm just probably. I'm just, I want to say thirty-five hundred pounds. No kidding. So, Golly. I mean, they've they've got the tackle to oh, handle. Oh yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, they, the massive tackle they use to to bring these things in, and it's interesting because Brett McBride, who's been the captain, has really sort of perfected a technique, and they don't muscle these fish in. They mm-hmm. they basically, um, Brett sort of uses the word. He, he sort of trains the fish to come and follow the boat, and the boat. That's one reason the when they come the way they do, the fish very quickly learns that it cannot fight this hook. It cannot fight the line. Right. And it's going to come, it'll come then to the lift so they can bring it on the lift. And then as they bring the lift up, they cover the eyes with a wet cloth. They put a big hose with water pumping through the gills. And then in about a 15 minute period, in fact, it's very tight. We end up doing something like 17 to 19 different Test on the on the shark. Mm-hmm. Uh, everything from taking parasites and blood to looking for semen um, to doing ultrasound sometimes, and uh, it's it's pretty amazing. And then as a timer, and somebody's keeping time, and when it's time to put that shark back in the water, it goes back in the water. And of the several hundred sharks that they've caught, they've actually only lost one who died, and that was probably because it was sick before it got. Mm-hmm. It got, it got so it so it. if you had. If, if, if an 18-foot, 4,000-pound great white, just a ballpark, how old is that fish? I don't know. That's a yeah. really good question. Um, I mean, it's going to be decades and decades yeah. old. I just I don't know. Yeah. yeah, they say the largest reliably measured great white shark was 19 feet, 7 inches. That was caught, you mean? The largest like caught. Con- that's, like con- that's like confirmed. The largest yeah. caught was in 1959 in Australian waters, and it weighed 2,663 pounds. Yeah, and then the, uh, yeah, the unconfirmed. Actually, when we catch them, we don't actually weigh them. It's all about the estimate. Yeah. Right, right. Yeah, yeah, un- yeah. Unconfirmed reports, they say that they can get to be 23-plus feet long. Okay. So for – and that's according to this article that talks about modern-day sightings, et cetera – uh, there's one in particular called, uh, and it was a very large female called Great White. It was nicknamed Deep Blue, yeah, which is Deep pretty Blue. famous. Yeah, 20 feet. Yeah, and that one was uh, about 20 feet, and that one was seen scavenging a sperm whale carcass uh, near Hawaii. Mm-hmm. And so for this 18-foot, 4,000-pound ballpark shark off of Fernandina, that is massive. Yeah, it's huge. Yeah, that's wow. – I mean, even even in a 30-foot – or the contender's 30-foot, right? Well, I mean, 36. some of them are 31, 29. Yeah, I, I mean, so I'm I mean, just saying, yeah. all of a sudden you'd look yeah. down and you're going to go, dude, we need I think a bigger the one boat. That they have on <laughs> hey, that boat is right at that point. Yeah, I think that one is right at 29. Yeah. 29, 31, somewhere right in that, there. That shark's, I mean. Yeah, that's could, big. Could, could eat that motor that's like really big. very easily. Wow. He's got um, uh, before and we take a break, O-Search and Sharks are very popular with kids. Right. I mean, because, you know, kids are all, all about sharks, you know, and when you can go to the beach and you find a shark's tooth, it's mm-hmm. cool. And, we call uh, them charismatic megafauna. Yes, and uh, and you guys have a summer camp. Do you guys incorporate some of the O-Search stuff in the summer camps for kids at JU? Yes. Uh, we do a, we do our summer camp this year. It's the last two weeks of June. Uh, the first week we call River Week and focuses more on the St. John's River 
the second week is our Osert Shark Week. Mm. And uh, like last year, we actually got to go visit the ship. This year, the ship's going to be north of us, so we're not going to be able to do that this year. But we'll still work with Osert. We'll have um, shark things going on. Um, it's also a residential camp, and so you can come and spend the night on campus, and we have other events that go on cool. at night that we don't necessarily do during the daytime. We'll take uh, – we've had – People, we had some people bring in drones one time and uh, last year, and then we also did a, a turtle walk one night, which was sort of fun. Found a turtle nest, excavated it. Very cool. Um, and in this particular one, we had sort of staged it, so we used ping pong balls instead of sea turtle eggs, but, but it all worked out pretty good. Yeah. Um, and so that was a lot of fun. But, yeah, our summer camp is a lot of fun, and we'll open the registration probably in about a week. And so you can go to our website. Uh, ju.edu slash msri and uh, look for the summer camp and click on that in about a week the live the registration will go live and you can register for the camps or if you easy way to do yeah, it is 12 just to, 12 to 18 years old um go to go to google and because all that is just you know people yeah. like whoa just go to yeah. google and type in jacksonville <laughs> university marine science research institute kids camp yeah okay there you go. <laughs> all right uh all right let's take a break uh, we come back we're gonna do a ring power cat tip of the week mm-hmm. And continue more talking here with uh, Dr. Quentin White, Jacksonville University's Marine Science Research Institute Executive Director, right here on the uh, Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show. Welcome back to the Nimnik Chevrolet Outdoor Show. It's time now for Ring Power Cat Tip of the Week. And Ring Power and a Cat Rental Store has... The job or the equipment to take care of the job that you might have. Uh, they have the youngest fleet in the edition, or they have the youngest fleet in the industry, and they have everything that you need, whether it be light towers, backhoes, bulldozers, skid steers, mm-hmm. wheel loaders, articulated loaders. They've got it all. That Ring Power, all you got to do is go to ringpower.com to learn more. And this week's tip is today is yeah. that we found out. Um, a little bit earlier, today's the opening of youth yeah, season. Today is opening of youth, and 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 um, I, I was just sitting there thinking about this yesterday. I, I was thinking back of Jeff. I, I know, you know, you took Dylan, and Kirk. You took Kyle. And I, I, I took all my kids, and 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 I've taken additional kids. You know, yeah. uh, uh, Wyatt, you know, killed killed a turkey with me on you know during youth season, and it's it, it it's it's a little different. When you take a kid, it needs to be different. It needs to be different. Yeah, sure this does. isn't. You know, this is this is introducing them to turkey season. This is introducing them to what it doesn't uh, need to be. Just real quick, yeah. what it doesn't need to be is a way for an adult to get an extra day in the woods yeah, to right. go turkey Absolutely. hunting. This is about the kids. That's not what it's about. No, it's not. Because I've I know some folks that will take like, come on, kid, let's go turkey hunting. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah. And it yeah. and it's about the adult getting a turkey. Your right. ulterior motives. Yeah. 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 You know, I mean, if 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 the kid doesn't want to get up at, at four o'clock, take them in the afternoon. Yeah, you don't you have to go I mean? at first light. Yeah, you don't. And and the other thing that I always found great with my kids is a ground blind. You know, because you, they don't have to just sit dead still. Shh, sit you still. <laughs> Quiet. Like you with Kurt. Well, you gotta make, still. You gotta make it head. fun. I yeah, mean, if you, you don't do. make it fun, then they don't want to do it anymore. Right. You know, if you if you yell at them and stuff like that, make it make it all about them. Yeah. And I, I think the one thing that I've always done with Taylor, and then I still do with Taylor, uh, with Taylor, is that we kind of make it like a field trip. 
Sure. You know, when we're walking through the woods, we find footprints. Mm-hmm. You know, tracks. Mm-hmm. We look at the tracks. We look, look at, at the poo. Look at bushes. We yeah, we look at turkey poo. <laughs> okay. What's the difference? Well, a hen can make a pile. Mm-hmm. The turkey has a unique ability that he can draw letters with his poop. Okay? And for little kids, they're like, no way. No, you're kidding, Dad. I'm like, seriously. The, Show and tell. The gobbler is a big fan of me. He likes to do J's on our property. <laughs> I'm, just, I'm joking. I don't say that. But well, seriously, honey, what does your dad do for a living? Well, he does a radio show. And he talks about... <laughs> Worms She's probably donuts, telling her friends, and he's been did talking about birds crapping in the ground. Did you know that all the turkeys poop my the first letter of my dad's name? <laughs> oh, but it's but part of it. It you is. Know? Yes, yes. It it's, is. It's fun, you know. Oh, and, and, and to see, you know, because obviously turkey season for all of us is, is in our blood. But to see the reaction of the kids when, when they actually hear a gobble. And, yeah. and and their reaction. I mean, their their eyes get all big, and and then I'll never forget it was with Kayla one time, and I hit the hoot owl call, and one flew like right here, like and she's like, Dad, oh my God, is he coming down? You know, because that's a big bird at nighttime, you know. And oh, he's yeah. like, Ooh, and he's like, he's like, right mm-hmm. above us. That's cool stuff, man. Yeah, anything yeah. anything that you can as part of the turkey hunt because it's not just the turkey hunt. That's it's right. The, it's the day's experience. In the outdoors, that's the whole reason for having a youth season, right. and take advantage of it to make it memorable for the kids. Don't make it about you, and don't ever make it about whether you get a bird or not, no. because that's not what it's all about. Even for the adults, once you finally figure it out, chances are very, very slim that oh, you're going yeah. to kill a turkey. Yeah, I mean, I, 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 I always use the, the analogy in that when my son Dylan and Quentin, you'll laugh at this because you probably had moments like this. I'll never forget Dylan's first year of playing baseball and he's in the outfield and he's out there and he's chasing crickets, grasshoppers, <laughs> right? And a ball gets hit and him and his other outfielder, cause they had four outfielders at this age, you know, yeah. there's two of them out there and they're both chasing grasshoppers and some kid hits it and actually goes into the outfield. And it goes right by Dylan and this other kid. And both of them never saw the ball because they're chasing <laughs> grasshoppers right. and crickets. Until everybody was like, hey, yeah, get oh, the yeah. ball. And they're like, what, what? Oh, the ball. And they grab the ball and throw it in. And they go right back to chasing crickets and grasshoppers. Yeah, that's what kids do. Yeah. yeah hey, let them chase let crickets and grasshoppers in the outdoors. That's your ring power cat tip of the week. Uh, let the kids enjoy Youth season weekend for what it is. Now, this weekend is in Florida, and then Georgia had a change to their season. Yep. Yeah. The start of it was moved all the way back to, like, the first Saturday in April. That's correct. Yep. Which is, is that April 2nd or 3rd? Yeah. Something like that? Yeah, it is. And so the youth season is the weekend before that, and which is, I'm very disappointed that uh, the season was moved that far back because they are already breeding and have already been breeding. Yeah, yeah. I, in Georgia. I wish if they wanted to change it, and and I, I guess I understand. Take why. two weeks off the back end. Yeah, take two weeks off the back end. Seriously, that's, that's what I would have loved. Yeah, yeah. No, I mean, no it's... question. Because I mean, that that May hunting is most time sucks. I mean, well, most of them I don't even do it. No, it's I don't. So hot. I don't either. either. Yeah, it's usually done by then. But yeah, it is. It, it it's uh, um, April second. Hey, speaking of kids, um, there's a tournament that uh, Kevin, you're going to be a part of that's coming up. Yep. 
And uh, Ring Power, I think, is a big sponsor. Yes, they are. Uh, you and Carrie are going to be yep, uh, yep. active in this. What, what's the story with yeah, that? Yeah, so it's called Cast for Kids, um, and it's uh, it's taking kids fishing with special needs. So, you know, they, they, they wanted to, to promote that. And this is the first time they've done this. It's, 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 this is a national-wide thing, but this is the first time they've done it here in Northeast Florida. And um, it's foundation that enriches the lives of children with special needs, support their families, and strengthen communities through, th- through taking them fishing. You know, I mean, these kids probably will never have a chance to, to get on a boat and go fishing. So, you know, I've, I and, and other charter captains in, in St. Augustine have, have donated some, you know, a half a day. And um, on, on April 7th, we're going we're to take these kids fishing. But we wanted to let folks know that they do have some openings. Um, so if anybody knows a child with special needs and would think that they would like to go fishing, we'd love to take them. If they, all you got to do is go to castforkids.org and you can, you can see the, the whole thing. Hank Parker's on there. I mean, it's uh, it's pretty cool. It's pretty exciting. I'm, 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 I'm glad to be a part of it. And, and I'm glad that they asked me um, because this is, uh, I don't know, it, 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 special needs kids are, 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 are special people and Carrie and I are, are going to be a part of it. So we're, we're excited. But anyway, if you know of somebody, um, I, like I said, a special needs child that you think would like to go fishing, castforkids.org. All right, cool. Uh, yep. Hey, uh, uh, Dr. Quentin White in studio with us today. Uh, the original topic that we were talking about was this uh, worm hatch that we had last weekend, which uh, impacted our fishery uh, in a big way and has been doing it for years. And obviously, uh, it coinciding with the date of the El Chipo makes it a little bit more kind of prominent in your in our minds. But it's been going on for years. And Quentin, is this a is this just another question about this? Just because I'm, my my curiosity gets piqued by this, is this a is are there freshwater worms that exist also, or is this just a saltwater um, organism? The polychaetes are strictly saltwater. Um, I think there may be one species that's a freshwater species. Um, the uh, earthworms, oligochaetes, are freshwater, and something similar to that happens in the oligochaetes, except they. They actually tend to be um, both, they have both sexes, they're hermaphroditic, um, both male and female, and they have a little different mating way, if you would, rather than broadcasting their eggs and sperm. Uh, They actually end up mating by lying side by side, side, Mm -hmm. and then the male of one fertilizes the female of the other, um, and then they form these little cocoons. And then they push the cocoons actually up to the surface, and then that's where they hatch out. Interesting. So it's a little different phenomenon in freshwater. Interesting. I, to, to change the, the topic just a little bit earlier, it mentioned about mangroves. And right. uh, we talked about the Everglades, which is full of mangroves. For years in St. Augustine, I remember the first time that I ever fished essentially south St. Augustine, down near Matanzas and Devil's Elbow Fish Camp. Right. And you would see... Small mangroves, right? And you would see them only occasionally. And through the years, the number of mangroves has started to creep forward more to the north. Yep. And then the ones that were down there are now more plentiful, and they're much bigger. Yep. And they drop a ton of seeds. Ton of seeds. Ton of seeds. Yeah. So yeah. my my question is this: Is this the weather pattern? Yes. Okay, so that's it's a, weather. That's power. a short answer. Yes, and it, it, is this a good thing? Um, it's change. It's what's happening. Uh, you know, we're seeing climate change. We're seeing global warming, uh, and we're seeing things getting warmer here. Um, 
traditionally, when I first got to Jacksonville, I'm going to say at this point, I got here in 76, we sort of drew a line through Matanzas Inlet, mm-hmm. and that was the freeze line. And we did not have mangroves north of that area, and there were more mangroves south of there. Um, same, our, in our salt marsh environment is the same environment the mangroves are for south of us. And the defining, perp, the defining piece of that is the freeze line because mangroves cannot tolerate being frozen. And so with the decline of freezing temperatures here, uh, and this freeze we had this past year, I think was the first time in yeah. five years we had a freeze, mm-hmm. um, we were seeing mangroves up here around the Danes Point and mm, even right. further north. And so what you're seeing down even in Matanzas was sort of interesting because they used to freeze every once in a while because you'd have these freezes sweep through there, and we'd kill them all back, and the, but they they would come back from the roots. And so we've the top kill them, essentially. Yeah. So, mm-hmm. And so they're – so we're, we're seeing that come north. Uh, one of our faculty, Dr. Anissa Goldberg, has been doing some work on that and has published some work on that. Question. Um, I, and, and obviously, uh, fishing that area basically my whole life. Um, you know, I've seen the, the, the mangroves there and gone and there and gone. Now, they haven't been gone for a long, long time. And, and, and these trees are big. So do they get to a certain point to where they can tolerate? A freeze? I mean, the bigger, the bigger they are, the better they can tolerate a freeze because it, it obviously takes more to, and longer hard, cold weather to freeze a bigger thing. So yeah. It's just, a, it's just a matter of size. Yeah. Yes. And, and I mean, it's, it is interesting now that you, you know, you go to the ramp and there will be all these seeds, you know, I mean, obviously this is something we didn't see 10 years ago, but they're all mangrove seeds, yeah. you, you know, and they're, um, you know, for, for us personally, um, the most northern one that I've seen is 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 north of Guana, um, around Shell, what we call Shell Bluff. Mm-hmm. You know, but but if you think about it, I mean, those seeds are going all up and down the the coast right now. And yeah, you're talking about someone yeah. being as far as the Dames Point. I have, I mean, I haven't seen any up that way. But I mean, I believe you. That's yeah. crazy. Yeah, I mean, I saw. I was out not that long ago in Mill Cove, and there's some growing in Mill Cove now. No yeah, kidding. I've seen wow. those. Yeah, I've seen those. Yeah, and, so, and there's by, some uh, there's some north of the St. Johns Island. Quarantine, Quarantine Island. Yeah, and Goat Island back in there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I've seen them on the edges of the banks there. Yeah, huh. and that's and it, that's a good example. You talk about the seeds. Those seeds float everywhere, mm-hmm. and if they sprout out and they can grow, and it doesn't freeze back, then they'll get established. There. Sure. And so that's you know we're talking about the animals migrating off and doing things. Well, the same sort of thing out of the seeds, except mm-hmm. they're yeah same distribution. Yeah, I mean it, it. You know, again, I I don't know what the environmental impact is of that but it's absolutely beautiful i mean some of the the, the creeks i mean you would think you're in south florida well, you know, down in st augustine though. mangroves are, are really great fish habitat yeah and i know the, the, yeah. the areas that they, i fish that have them it's incredible yeah, yeah. They, oh, anch- yeah. they anchor the, the soil mm-hmm. a lot of stuff grows on the roots and depend there are three or four species of mangroves in florida and they do different kinds of things but the the root system becomes home to fish they graze on the things that are growing on the edge of the, mm-hmm. the roots so it's it's a it's a very valuable. We had a, a gentleman for the Christmas show that was here at uh, Hagen Coastal Affairs and Hagen Ace and Mandarin, and he had a clothing line company called Mang, which part of the proceeds from them selling a the T-shirt, they would use part of those proceeds to actually facilitate planting of mangroves all across okay. the state of Florida and then other countries, uh, you know, down the Caribbean, et cetera, and uh, which is pretty cool that uh, that they're doing some of that stuff. But then also, I was talking to a guy. They're working on, and it seems like drones have become so widespread, but they're talking about using drones to help 
plant all of these, whether it be mangroves or whether it be mm-hmm. helping to spread clams or, I mean, it seems like drones now, they're, they're trying to find an application for every category with a drone. Uh, that, it's just exciting. Um, the, the one thing you got to be careful about is you've got to make sure you're planting them in an area they think they're going to survive, mm-hmm. and that they're going to grow. Because um, you're putting a lot of time and energy and effort into getting these plants propagated. And I think sometimes we forget that we can't just plant them anywhere. We've, we've got to make sure that we, we're smart about it. Right. Uh, and we've got the same thing going on with, with submerged aquatic vegetation, our, our seagrasses. A lot of people are, oh, we going to plant them. Yeah, yeah, that's great. But you got to figure out where you're going to plant them because they got to be able to grow there. Uh, kind of like the dune restoration or yeah, beach exactly. re-nourishment. Yeah, let's put exactly. seagrass in a place where it's going to last and not just be a waste <laughs> yeah. of money. Yeah. All right, uh, let's take a break here on the Nimic Buick GMC Outdoor Show. And uh, if you'd like to call in, I have a question for Dr. Quentin White, 904-641-1010, right here on the Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show. Yeah, I just get a text from my good buddy, Ed. Now, we went to Winnie the Pooh Preschool together back in the day. We're proud graduates of Winnie the Pooh Preschool. And uh, it was a picture of his backyard porch from just moments ago. And I'm kind of chuckling because, you know, we're looking at the radar saying, oh, yeah, you know, we got rain. It's going to be ending here in a little mm-hmm. bit. And it's going to, you know, we'll be able to maybe get back outside. And and he sends this picture. And it's, what do you think, about six inches of snow? <laughs> yeah. I got the same picture from my mom up in PA. Did she you said really? she said it was sixty degrees yesterday, wakes up this morning, and I mean they are just covered. Yeah, you can have it. Amen. <laughs> can have I want it. no part of that crap. Yeah, you can have it. I'm gonna fly in, ski on it, and fly out. I'm good. I'm good. I I skiing? Nah. Nah. I don't really care oh, to no, do no, it. I'm too, way past skiing. I you know if I ever did anything in the snow, the only thing that I would like to do, of course you'd like to sit by the fire. Uh, but going downhill on inner tubes in the snow mm-hmm. are way cool. No, I would Yeah, do that's that. fun. That's it's fun. just going up the hill to go down the hill. That is distinctly not fun. I'm a, I'm a, I'm a, I'm a inner tube kind of guy. I'm not a snowboard skis, you know, that, I'm not, I'm not doing that stuff anymore. Yeah, yeah, no. But inner tube or snow saucer, <laughs> sign me up. I would have liked to have snowboarded when I was younger, but I'm not going to do it now. No. I'd like I'll to do a bobsled. Something. Anybody got a bobsled track uh, around? I don't think so. That'd be kind of fun. A what? A, a bobsled. bobsled. Or a, or the new Olympic sport, a monobob. You know, when a I, monobob. Do the old <laughs> monobob. When I was a, a kid, we used to, in Virginia, and Quentin, you've been around that area before, when, when you do get a snow, which is not very often, but when you did, it was a big deal. And we had... These roads and the snow would kind of get packed because everybody's doing the toboggans and the inner tubes and all that kind of stuff. And then once it got good and packed, then you'd break out the sleds, the ones that had the little metal runners. And you'd be waxing and sanding and all those things, you know, because the smoother and the more, Mm -hmm. you know, it is, the faster you go. And uh, But, yeah, I don't care to do that anymore. I'm good. (laughs) Good. Sit by the fire. You were getting all yeah. excited there for a second. He was. I, was like, I know. He was all fired up. Because <laughs> I would I rather talk about mangroves. Or worms. Dr. Quint White or worms <laughs> here on the <laughs> Nimnick Chevrolet Outdoor Show. And that's what we're doing right now. And uh, Quentin, with all of the topics now, with and, and we still we continue to talk about this, 
There's a couple things that are still happening in our waterways, and a lot of people have concerns about it. Uh, one we've talked about in the past, which is the dredging. I know Kirk is very passionate about some of that stuff. And then a, a few minutes ago, we talked during a, a commercial break, shrimping. And uh, with you know the, the number of people that are moving to our area, the population exploding, are we shrimping more than we have in the past? Uh, because, you know, overfishing is always kind of a conversation. And, and I'm not trying to start any fights here, fights here because I love eating shrimp just like the next guy. But, you know, we, we always talk about, and you've always talked about, there's always a balance that we have to find. Have we found it? Or, or you know, is this something that we need to be careful with? Can I, can I, just just one, one, one thought here. Um, growing up here, you know, before you were here mm-hmm. in the '80s and stuff like that, we had three times the boats. Really? That that we do now. Really? Yeah. I mean, we there was, there, but the Mayport shrimpery was huge. Yeah. Um. And 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 when the net ban went into effect, and it it, it put so many restrictions on them, it, it a lot of them quit. Yeah. So I mean, we don't have. I, I would Near the I, I would say a third. Of, of of what you know, I mean, again, you used to go down to St. Augustine and it would be twenty boats dragging. You know, if you go to St. Augustine now, there may be one, two. You know, yeah, uh, but that's interesting. Yeah, so you don't you don't have near the pressure. Yeah, it's a lost art. Yeah, absolutely, it really is. Yeah, yeah, but, and and I think I suspect it's less than a third. I, I yeah, you're you're right. It's probably fewer than that. Um, I know years ago, pre net ban, in the St. John's River, there was something like nine hundred. People who had permits to shrimp. Oh, no oh my God! Yeah. And, wow. Yeah. But well, what happened was in those days you didn't have people that did it all the time, full time. They would do it occasionally. They had small boats and they had a little permit and they went and did it. And it's it's always Jeff mentioned earlier. It's, it's this balancing act. You know, a little bit's fine. We've we've got the capacity. Nature has been very very generous and. They produce more than can actually survive, and so you know we can get what we call sustainable yield. You know, it's there's, you can remove a certain amount. You know, we all do it when we hunt and mm-hmm. fish. We're, we're taking a little bit out, but when you when you have too many people doing it too much, it can have a de- detrimental sure. effect. And so it's it's a balancing act, and it's an inexact science because we don't have really good data in many cases. Um, you know, trying to trying to get a handle, for instance, on how many fish are caught. Oh my gosh, that's that's almost an impossible task. Yeah. yeah. One, when you ask a fisherman what they caught, they're not gonna tell you the truth. They don't tell you the truth. I hate to say it, guys. <laughs> if I mean, it's you know, a good it's just, fisherman, no. And I learned that years ago. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they, they, the one thing I've always been kind of curious about is that uh, you know we have fish farms, you know, catfish farms, etc. Mm-hmm. And then you have farm-raised shrimp. Yep. Okay. Yes. Have you guys ever seen a, a shrimp farm? I haven't, but I've had shrimp from them, and it's just not the same. Um, well, you're. My, to be honest, most of the shrimp you eat now in restaurants and places like that are farm are farm raised. Okay, and I've always wondered this: where are the shrimp farms, and how do they do that? Well, they're they're in oftentimes what I call third world countries, because the you've got to have cheap land, cheap labor, and lots of water. Uh, there are some in the United States. Um, there's a few down in Central Florida. Uh, we had some scientists at JU years ago that was working on them. Um, but yeah, most of the shrimp were actually. And I forget the numbers now, but it, the vast majority of shrimp that we eat here in the United States are imported, and they're farm-raised in mm-hmm. 
Asian or South American, Central American countries. Um, I've got one of our JU alums actually has a place in Ecuador, and they have huge areas. Uh, and there are a few. There's actually South Carolina up near Bluffton. Um, at, I think it's called the Waddell Center. Um, has some shrimp farms, if you would. Hmm. Oh, um, interesting. I mean, just 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 think I, about. I've just I've never seen one. Yeah, I was just, always just, curious. If you just think about the, we just said here, it's less than a third, right? So you take that throughout the United States. There's no way that that fleet of shrimp boats can can feed America. Right. You know what I mean? Exactly. I mean, there's just, there's just no way. That's why it's the same as farm-raised yeah. most of what you're eating at yeah, a restaurant, exactly. et cetera. You know, you think about, you go buy tilapia, you go buy a, a salmon is largely mm-hmm. farm-raised. Farm-raised. And, um, I can uh, tell you this. I'll eat t- a tilapia all day long. I think tilapia is you, really well, good. You, tilapia you, is an interesting fish because, I hate to tell you, it's got no taste. The tilapia, you're eating tilapia be, as a carrier for all the other things you put on it to make, to give it. <laughs> Any flavor? That's that. Those are the best fish. Well, I'm not sure I agree with you on that because I. <laughs> no, I, and, and I, I'm I'm with, I'm with Dr. White on that. Yeah, yeah I, no, I, I'm I, sorry. I, yeah, I, I say that is that it's you just know, very mild, fresh, which means give me a piece of fresh Kobe on the grill. Yeah, right. yeah, yeah. I don't want to hold out on it. I just want to grill it hot and eat it. That's. <laughs> now, I'm not going to turn down a piece of sheep's head uh, over no. yeah, exactly. you know, tilapia. Yeah, right? That's yeah. my favorite yeah. right there. I mean, that's there's a whole different taste there. I mean, there's. I taste it. I can taste the difference in yeah. sea bass, but, oh. and that, but that's why people like tilapias because they are a white fish that, that doesn't taste fishy. Mm-hmm. And it sounds funny to say it. That yeah, way. it's good protein. Yeah. It doesn't yeah, smell like fish. Give, give me, like fish. give me about a four pound Spanish mackerel. Ooh, I'm with you. And, I love and that, that too. That fillet is oh, so yeah. good. Just broil it. <laughs> a little garlic butter. Yes. And lemon. Oh, yes. fun. Yes, absolutely. I'm all over it's that. Got, it's got some flavor to it. Yeah, it's it's simple is better, you know. But tilapia, yeah. I'm gonna have to bread it and season it and. Right up. Throw some tartar sauce on it, man. Let's go. That's right. Get a couple pieces of bread. All right, let's take a break here. Uh, Nimnick Buick GMC Outdoor Show. If you'd like to call in, 904-641-1010. Having a very special guest in today, Dr. Quentin White, Jacksonville University Executive Director of the Marine Science Research Institute. Welcome back to the Nimnik Chevrolet Outdoor Show. Uh, we apologize. We didn't know all these people were on hold because we, we had a little power surge. We had a outage, glitch. A little glitch, and then nope. uh, so our call screen in here was uh, showing yeah, that we, were just we didn't have anybody. So yeah. we're just continuing to talk with Dr. Quint White, which is fantastic. Uh, so let's go to the phone lines for a minute. Uh, Mark has a shark population question. Good morning, Mark. Hey, how you doing, Jeff? Good. So uh, when I was a kid, by the way, uh, Dr. White, Dr. Rustiel says hello, but um, oh, cool. when I was a kid, I, I worked on the Miss Maple with Captain George Strait. Sure. We never lost um, fish to sharks like we do now, and I fish around Kirk a lot. seems in the summer, especially, we can't hardly get a kingfish to the boat anymore, and it just seems like it's all red snapper and sandbar sharks. Uh, what's the reason for that, do you think? We're seeing a resurgence in sharks, and Captain Kirk and I were talking a while back about this. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it's sort of a it's a, a combination of things. One, I think we're doing a better job of conserving, and we're not killing sharks like we used to, which is a good thing, because I think one reason we have a a more viable fisheries, frankly, is because we also have more sharks. Which sounds funny, but um, they're the apex predator, and they help control the whole population scheme. And I know it's frustrating when you're trying to catch a fish and the shark takes the tail of it, but it's actually helping you fish in the long run. But you're right. We are seeing more sharks, which is, which is a good thing. 
Bigger sharks, too. I don't remember too. sandbar sharks like they used to be. It's like there's tons of sandbars compared. And those things get pretty you, big, correct? Oh, they're huge. Yeah. Yeah, yeah they can yeah. get pretty good to us. Yeah. You know, I, again, I think the more people, more fishing, people we're seeing more, we're getting better data. Um, you're talking to people too more. I mean, our, our ability to communicate within ourselves through cell phones and texting and what have you is so much better than it used to ability be. Ability to take a picture instantly yeah. and send it around the world the, the, in the, the, seconds. The, the one thing, and, and, and Mark, we're seeing the same thing in St. Augustine. I mean, it's, it's awful. Oh, yeah, it's, but, a, it's everywhere. But the one thing that I definitely believe is that they have become in tune with our engines and they understand what we're doing um, because you'll, you'll pull up to a spot and you know you're you're getting things ready, and 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 you look down, and they just swim right with you until you hook a, a kingfish, and they go out there and they eat it, and they come right back, and you know so it's it, it's it, it's pretty amazing, especially what we've seen in the last two or three years. I mean, there, there's That's literally literally spots like white that 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 are the most some of the most popular spots that we have, and you can't fish there. Well, of course, you're going there because you know there are fish there. That's correct. And they're there because there are fish there, too. So you may have true, true, and unrelated. Mm-hmm. You just don't but, know. But, it, there, I mean, the and, and if you're saying this because we don't kill them anymore, I get that. But what Mark said, these, these sandbar sharks, they're aggressive. I mean, and I'm, yeah. I, you know, I went, I, uh, for sandbar, example. Just real quick, yeah. sandbar shark kind of has a connotation when you say that, that it's this short, small, uh, cute, uh, harmless cute. shark. Yeah. Oh, no, Nothing look it up. It's, it's a nasty looking shark. That's what I'm trying to explain to people. Yeah. This is a very big yeah. shark. They're large. Yeah. Yeah, but <laughs> but I, you know, in my career, I went years and years, and I mean years without ever seeing a tiger shark. Yeah. You know, I've never, and the first time, I can remember the first time I saw one, I went, oh, my God, a tiger shark, you know? Well, hell, we see tiger sharks every time we go out there now. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I mean, there's there's just no question uh, what 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 Mark is seeing there, uh, a lot of other people. No, see. I agree. It's, yeah. it's, it's happening. You know, you say terrible. I'm thinking, no, I sort of like this idea of sharks. But that's no. Well, I, I look at it from I, a different I, perspective. And no, you brought I, it up, Doctor White. We have not seen. And Kevin, you concur with this. When's the last time you saw a shark boat? It's been years. Well, I don't even know that they're since legal. I've seen a long yeah. line shark boat. They yeah. used to come around Mayport. They did. They. I, I saw. I've seen about St. Augustine behind the shrimp boats. Yeah. You just you don't see not, them anymore. Not. not Anytime. I don't know if they're Soon. not giving them permits or they don't allow it anymore. Well, there's, yeah, there are more restrictions now on, on taking the sharks. Right. And the connotation to a lot of them, shark finning was a ma- is, is mm-hmm. and was a, or was and is a major problem when people catch sharks and just cut the fins off mm. and dump the shark back in the water. Which is horrible, by yeah. the way. Yeah. Absolutely. And uh, mm-hmm. so, yeah, so it's it's sort of a... Interesting. And, and it, it, I've, I've sort of pointed out, too, because sharks are an interesting phenomenon because... They are a, a relatively long-lived species, um, and they don't have a super high reproductive potential. And so as we have done a better job of conserving sharks, then we're seeing more of them. We talked about that 18-footer that we saw for Nandino, Oster saw for I text Brian Franks, who's our shark biologist at JU. He says probably 50-plus years old. Wow. Mm. So you look at some of these things. Yeah. And, you know, mm. you get the sandbar. It's a good example you see those because they tend to be a little bit shallower species as they're younger. And then as they move off shore, they, they get, get big. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, they get big. I would love to have like a log of everything that 50-year-old 18-foot great shark uh, he ate <laughs> yeah. in his lifetime. Or what he's seen. Or yeah, I mean, what he sees, what he eats. Yeah, I mean, all that would be really cool. Yeah. Right. We're, we're <laughs> getting better but, about getting data like that because we can tag these sharks. And, you know, look at the O-Search Shark Tracker app. Yeah. Because – before and I and I've said this on the show before. It was years ago, 
I would get phone calls and, oh, Doc, I just saw the biggest great white shark in the world. Okay. And where was it? Well, offshore. And how big was bigger than the boat? Every, sh- every shark was bigger <laughs> yeah. than the boat. And you didn't know. Well, now with cell phones, mm-hmm. I get pictures. Yeah, I said, we, me, me and Kirk sent you pictures yeah. when we were at Elton Bottom. Sometimes, yeah. sometimes you know? one, they're oftentimes not great whites. There are other species. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But it's, it's changed the way we look at things. Anymore. It's, 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 it's kind of hard not to distinguish a great white from something else. Yeah. Well, but when, you you're in, when you're offshore, the, the, any shark is a big shark, and that's <laughs> uh, that's true. All right, uh, thank you, Mark, for the question. Let's uh, let's go talk to Captain Leon this morning. Morning, Captain Leon. Leon. Hey, good morning, Jeff. Morning, morning Kevin. Uh, I was going to say I'm happy to report there are mangoes that are growing as far north as the uh, Pine Island yeah. in the valley. So we do see them that far north. And my opinion, why I don't really see them any further than that right now is because of the tidal flow in that area. It just doesn't push the seeds much further than that unless we have some sort of storm that will push them That's true. to do that. That's true, because yeah. at some point in time in Palm Valley, you've got a tide that, that goes north and one that goes south. That's right. Yeah. Exactly. True. So, uh, Captain Leon, the worm phenomena, I heard that you had a double on Sunday and never caught a fish. <laughs> yeah, that was a, a brutal day. I mean, Oof. when you can see the fish and they're just not hungry, you know, you just can look back at your clients and say, well, I took you to them. There they are. You see them. Wave at them. Oh, there they—they're they, waving at you with their beautiful blue tails. Oh, there they go. Yes, they're. Hey, you know what? We've all been the there. Yes, we the have. Exactly. Did you see a lot of the worms in the water? Um, yes, you could see. Uh, I could. I could point out the culprit. I hated pointing it out like that. I go, "There's your new moon pink worm hatch." And they're like, what are those little things? Oh, those are our little aliens, and they live for X, Y, Z amount of time, and everything in the valley feeds on them. So, And the question is, why don't you have any earthworms? Yeah. yeah why aren't we throwing pink worms? I go, well, all right. That ain't going to happen. So <laughs> <laughs> let's stick with the shrimp and mud minnows. True. You're absolutely right. All right. Well, it happens. But it does indeed. It happens to all of us. I was going to uh, tell you a good turkey story uh, that happened this week. I had uh, Wednesday, uh, Kevin, I had Doug Winslow and friends with him, uh-huh. which, by the way, if he ever gives you lip saying he can't make it to the boat ramp, I had him at the boat ramp at 6 a.m. Okay. Okay, so he's got no problem getting there in time. He's good to go. But uh, we were just leaving the valley Wednesday morning, about 6.15, we got just past the first docks, got on plane, and lo and behold, a uh, turkey flew from the east bank across right in front of us to the west bank mm-hmm. uh right in front of cute little jake and uh, I, I, I pointed out to the guys and they are all you know pointing fingers at it like they were shooting at it and all of a sudden i saw something out of my peripheral to my left and i looked turned my head just a hair left only to have another turkey fly right in front head level with the bow of the boat <laughs> And I looked at Doug and I said, you should have had a net. We could have caught that one. <laughs> I mean, wow. I'm telling you, if I'd have gunned the motor and Doug had been on the front with the landing net, that turkey would have been in the, in the, in the hoop. That was uh, so quite a hoop. East, to, east to west? About. Yeah. Yeah. East to west? East to west. Mm-hmm. Wow. There's, there's just a little patch of trees just past the houses. Yep. And they were roosted in those trees uh, at, before daybreak. And... They literally passed right in front of us. They were both Jakes. 
That's and, cool. Uh, yeah, I'll be that John was pretty Brown. darn cool to see. Yep. I, I've seen a lot in the valley, but I've never seen turkeys fly over the ditch. How about that? Oh, I'm sure it's been happening for years. Yeah. We just don't. Oh, use, not, sometimes down. not there. You know, the, we didn't have turkeys in there. No, I know, but yeah. I mean recently. Recently, yeah. oh yeah, 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 absolutely. Last talking 10, about, you're, you're, years, I know what you're talking about. You're talking about right there, Tommy Fraser's Island is, is where they right. is where they came from. Yeah. Well, we have a right. female hen turkey at Ju now. Really? And I have no idea where she came from, but. I've seen her multiple times now. And she I walked, had I had a hen around. in my backyard in Mandarin one time. And uh, she stayed around for about, I, I, I was practicing in the, my calls in the garage one day, and I had to, one answering back, oh, what the? <laughs> Somebody in the neighborhood is also a turkey hunter, yeah. and they're totally messing with yeah, me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then, like, the next day, I had one in the backyard. I'm like, that's strange. Uh-huh. Had it happen twice. Yeah. I, I, the, the, years. The, the craziest one I ever had is when I lived in St. Augustine South. There was a little tiny patch of woods across the street from us, and there was a gobbler and two hens that lived in there. Huh. And and I, I was I was I was putting my boat on 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 the ball, and so I was cranking it down, and, and it went eek, 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 like that, and he ah he's, he's gobbling <laughs> he's gobbling at my at your winch at my winch. That's yeah. classic. <laughs> All right, Leon, we got to take a break. We got to go, buddy. Take care, guys. Thank you, Thanks. man. All right, uh, we come back. We'll see if we can squeeze in Big Bill, get an El Cheapo uh, kind of wrap-up, and uh, get an updated tides and updated weather Hurry right go. here on the Nimnik Buick GMC Outdoor Show. Welcome back to the Nimnik Chevrolet Outdoor Show. It's now time for the Kirby Cole Builders, Inc. Cooking Tip of the Week. Kirby Cole Builders, industry leader and proven provider of framing, drywall, interior, and exterior, finishing on both commercial and residential products. And a lot of people say that this is the Nimnik Outdoors cooking show, but it is not always. Sometimes we do that. We like to eat. We like to eat, and there's nothing wrong with that. No. Food sex, food sex, food sex, food sex, food sex. <laughs> good food is Food sex fishing. Oh, is good. good sex hunting. Okay, yeah. and uh, so this week's tip comes from Captain Kirk, a little stuffed shrimp recipe that uh, he is going to cook for us in two weeks. It's, you know, and the thing about this recipe is simple. I mean, I was tired the other day. I got in, and and we got some shrimp from Safe Harbor, and I got some for the neighbors, some for me, and I got home. It was late, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to pop the heads off of them, and all you do is take them and pop the heads, devein them. You can split them and butterfly them if you want. The crab meat lobster stuffing you can get at Safe Harbor, they make. That looks so good. It was Mm -hmm. so good. And then all you need is butter, garlic powder, and Old Bay. And you just take the shrimp. That's, that's it. All I did was take the shrimp and just curl them. I didn't even butterfly them. I was lazy. I just butterfly. I just curled did them. Did you? Did you split the vein nope. part? Nope. You didn't even do that. They were all, they were all cleaned out. They came out of the ocean. They looked good. And I was like, you know, I'm not even bother. So you just took the curled shrimp, yep. put a little spoonful of the lobster crab on crab top, stuffing on top, and then what I did is I melted the four ounces of butter and threw in some fresh garlic and. Dribble it across the shrimp, sprinkle Old Bay on it, slammed it in the oven. Twenty minutes later, it was dinner. I could eat that pan, buddy. Oh, it was good. I mean, right now we we might have fist fight if it was one on the table right now. (laughs) I mean, the only thing I would have done different is I would have got the scissors out and cut a piece of bacon into three parts and just laid that across the top. Yeah, right on top. And yeah. then hit, hit it with the broiler for a minute to kind of fry that Mm. bacon. Oh, son, that's a great that's a great call. That's a 30-minute meal bacon. that doesn't take any time or preparation and just simple stuff. I got to do that. Literally and, salivating right And now. I did, no, I no did notice, okay, I did notice that you have 
the copper crisper pan. I love that thing, man. <laughs> that has become funny. A, the pan of the use in our we house. Are, we use it all the freaking time. We are so ridiculously over the top on this cooking thing. When I start noticing yes. that Kirk is using oh. the base of the copper crisper pan. Folks, if you don't have a copper crisper. It's the best. You're, you, you're missing out. We used ours last night. We warmed up pizza. Yeah, I, I mean, use it all the time. If, if you don't put it in a copper crisper, you can't get the the crust crispy again. Mm-hmm. With the copper crisper, you're you can. You're trying to lower your cholesterol, cholesterol, and you want French fries with your hamburgers. Don't deep fry. Put it on this crisper. You think they were deep fried. Money. It's unbelievable. Money, money, money. All right, that, uh, appreciate it. That's the uh, Kirby Co. Builders Ink Cooking Tip of the Week. All right, let's get to the phone lines, get a couple minutes here with Big Bill on a El Cheapo update. And uh, good morning, Big Bill. Good morning, guys. How's it going? Good, good, good. Uh, first question, how many people weighed fish at the El Cheapo? 142. 142. Okay. On all, a typical year, through, do we know what that might be? I don't know the number of weight total. I know that our, our total number of entry, including ladies, kayak, and juniors, uh, was just over 400. Uh, which was a really, really good year. That's been the best year we've had in the past uh, four or five years. Yeah, I was just curious as far as just because, you know, we we were talking earlier about the worm hatch impact on the fishing. It made it a little bit of tough. Yep. You know, how different this year's weigh-in was compared to years past. Yeah, so we had a lot of, uh, we had a lot of smaller average fish, five, six, seven, eight pounds. Um, a lot of those fish, we only saw three fish over 10 pounds. Um, it was a rough day offshore. You know, the guys that did go offshore did catch them. Um, we had, we did have a first this year. We start, we, uh, we crowned our first female champion. Yeah. Which is uh, awesome. Congrats. What's yeah. her name again? Megan trailer won with an 11.06 and took home a $30,000, uh, cast and blast from Atlantic coast. Marine. Um, so she was super happy with it. Huh. Um, cool boat. We had uh, Kenny Minion, Kenny Menton, won our kayak division and took home that beautiful forty-two hundred dollar um, Old Town Sportsman, courtesy of Old Town and Hagen Coastal Outfitters. So that was awesome. Yeah, that's a that's a cool deal, and uh, I know that uh, there's some guys that fish the tournament. Some of them sit there and think that you know, hey, maybe we ought to have a different division for the offshore guys. And I'm of the opinion that, you know, no, no. let's just leave it all together. Yeah, uh, it's, it's fine. Yeah. 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 I, I think I, you know, a lot of people have come to me with that. I, I just think that that's, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I, not, I don't agree with it. I think, I think it's a worthy conversation. Yep. It is. I do too. But, it is. Uh, I have a lot of conversations. You know, I've committed to be in the tournament director uh, for a minimum of the next two years. Um, and, and the, my big change for next year is I'm going to fully automated flooring. Um, so when you come in to weigh in, it's going to be fully automated. The, uh, the leaderboard will be automatically updated and that gap between when the weigh-in closes and when the awards, uh, start will be significantly short. Good. Yeah. That'll be a good thing. All right, big bill. Thanks, we appreciate bill. the update. We, we got a roll. Yep. We got uh, captain or excuse me, Dr. White in here. And so we got a, Gotta wrap hey, things super, up. super quick. Thursday, I ran an offshore charter in the afternoon. Had six sandbars and two tiger sharks around my boat most of the day, and we caught four of them, including a sand tiger that I sent Kevin a picture of. Yeah, it doesn't surprise mm-hmm. us. Thank you, Big Bill. Yeah. See you guys. 
All right. Uh, uh, Hold on, just one really important thing. Yes. Just uh, before before we get out of here, um, my thirtieth anniversary is on Monday. Ooh, congratulations! <laughs> wow. You know, and, That's awesome. And, and uh, I just want to tell Carrie that I love her, and uh, it's been it's been a great thirty years. And congratulations! And you know, yeah. and why don't you while you're at it, tell me you love me too, because Monday is my fifty first birthday. Congratulations! Well, happy congratulations. birthday, Chris! Old yeah. birthday. Hey, awesome. And uh, and real quick, uh, yeah, a weather forecast fart. just for those uh, that that might want to know. Brought to you by the Bearded Pig. Looking at the radar. There looks like to be one band kind of approaching the the Players Championship area, mm. and then after that, the skies are going to clear. Yeah, it's going to be beautiful. So uh, and cool. That's a positive. Yeah, and, and, and if you if you're cold. if you're yeah, thank you, Kirk. If you're walking outside right now and you're going, oh, look at this. I go in my short. Do not. Don't do it. Don't do it. It is going to get cold. It's going to start dropping. And it's yes, sir. It's supposed to be like fifty by five o'clock. Yep. It's going to drop yep. like a rock. Yep. And uh, an Angie subs tides report. Today at Jacksonville Beach, we've got a high tide going to be at about 4 o'clock p.m. And so plan your fishing accordingly based upon the tides. And uh, Angie Subs, the home of the best subs in Jacksonville and the best French fries and the best sweet tea. All right, Dr. White, thank you for, yes. for joining it, us it, and educating us on the worms because uh, – <laughs> Always fun. We I, had no idea that we had those kind of worms swimming around. Well, we world. knew. Yeah. But, I mean, it's just it's interesting now to kind of maybe get a, an idea of exactly what it is, how it happens, and why it happens and everything else, and also, you know, all of the information. And then uh, please keep us updated on the different summer camps that JU is having uh, this summer, and uh, they can – Google it, obviously, for the Jacksonville University Marine Science Research Institute summer camps for kids because there's two weeks, you say? Two weeks, yep. Two last, weeks. Two, last two weeks in June, they've been doing it. It's a lot of fun. Send your kids, send your grandkids. And then uh, – And there are scholarships available, too, if you need help. Okay, and then next Saturday, you will be turkey hunting. Probably. If the weather – we'll just please cooperate. <laughs> <laughs> Jeff. All right, everybody, good luck uh, the opening next weekend. As usual, the Nimnik Outdoor Show is brought to you by some fine sponsors. Welcome to Moe's Southwest Grill in St. Augustine, Steenhatchee River Club, Angie Sub, Strike Zone, Shimano, Whalen Bay Marine, Kirby Co-Builders, Tire Outlet, Atlantic Coast Marine, CNH Marine Construction can make your piece of heaven even better, Shark Coatings, Hagen Coastal Outfitters, and Hagen Ace, LV Hires Inc., Consignment Boat Sales, Claude Nolan Cadillac, Big Pen Heating and Cooling, Coastal Equipment on New Kings Road in McClenny, Stack M Storage, Ring Power in the Cat Rattle Store, The Bearded Pig, and of course, the Nimnik family of dealerships where you always get a best price guarantee. York and GMC on Phillips Highway and Chevrolet on Cassidy. Hey, just another thanks, Dr. Quentin White. We appreciate you being here. That's, it's, it's, been a, it's been a fun show. It's been fun. Yeah. And folks, remember, anything you do in the outdoors, always think safety first. Y'all have a great weekend. See you. See ya. See ya. Cause I'm hooked on hooking up. And there is-